everybody, it's Justin. Uh, if this sounds weird, I'm recording it on my phone, in my car, with the Anchor app, which you'll hear about in just a minute. Um, wanted to add something that someone pointed out this morning who had already listened to our podcast. Uh, we just posted it last night. Uh, someone pointed out that we did not mention that the uh, Winslow's children, the older ones, are of an age that they were most likely taken from their parents the same way that Hannah was taken from June. And that is absolutely correct, and uh, I think I think maybe Tiana mentioned it, but I don't think so. I don't think any of us said that. Uh, so we should have caught that, but we didn't. Uh, you know how it goes with us. We're bad at the timeline, and uh, we're creative and not good with math. So probably just overlooked that, and we appreciate the course correction. Keep them coming. Thank you for listening, and uh, I'll try and keep uh, putting some of these uh, corrections in here uh, to a certain point. We don't want to get crazy with it. But I uh, just want to say thanks for listening, and appreciate you guys uh, setting us straight when you find something that we have uh, egregiously left out. So have a great one. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks, guys. Long end of Terminal 5. Got to run to the other end of Terminal 5. Coming down this giant hallway, we can just see our gate. We are booking it, like, huffing, like, the moderately out-of-shape middle-aged people. We are carrying a bunch of stuff and soaked to the bone. Because, of course, there was a bad storm. That's why we were late. And we now join Tiana's sad story about how she didn't get to go to Ireland already in progress. Yeah. So we, we come up on our gate as they close the doors. Um, and there is an FAA regulation. Once the doors are closed, they may not be reopened. You may not let passengers on. So we did not make it. Even as it was told to me, they literally just closed them. The engines weren't on. Plane nope. wasn't going anywhere. Engines weren't on. Nothing was happening yet. They were still like getting people seated, putting baggage on the overhead, but the door was closed. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was really frustrating. Um, maybe cried a little bit at that point. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then one of us gets on the phone with one airline because there are two airlines taking us the whole way to Ireland. One of us gets on the phone to one airline. The other one of us gets on the phone to the other airline. And both airlines blame the other airline and thus refuse to rebook us for free. So we cannot go without buying another flight. Even if we did buy another flight, it wasn't going to get us there until Tuesday afternoon. We were trying to go Sunday to arrive first thing Monday morning. Um, and oh getting there midday God. Tuesday would mean we missed the two big things that we were really hoping to do there. Um, like so, yeah, not worth it at that point. It was not a very long trip. We were only going to be there for four and a half days. Um, so not worth it at that point to pay thousands of dollars to go for Ugh. a tiny part of the time. Brutal. Um, and both airlines think it's the other airline's responsibility to sure. reimburse us. So right. nobody is reimbursing us. Uh, the hotel over there is like, sorry, you waited too long to cancel. Because, you know, by the time I could call them, it was the day we were supposed to get there in Dublin. Hmm. You feel like telling the people what uh, airlines those were? No. You sure? Yeah, Come I'm on, sure. Be fun. No. You never know who's out there listening. No, I don't, I don't want to share. All right. It's, you know... It's, it's not like the employees were terrible or something. They, right. It was just a catch-22 in policy. And the booking service that we use to book these flights is like, hey, we did all of our job. Like, we can't reimburse you. Right. The first the first airline is like, hey, weather happens. We tried our best. Sorry, some random person that worked for our airline promised you you were still going to make it and that they were holding the plane for you because that was clearly not true. If I had that person's name, I would share it. But right. I don't. And the other airline is like, sorry, the other airline didn't get you to us in time. Not our fault. We can't pay you back either. Wow. Um, well, that's awful. And I'm it's sorry. sorry not, my, not my best week. No, I can't imagine. 
But hey, but we're at least all you fine. Got to, uh, it's watch. not like it's not like you know anybody was injured right. or lost. Or, well, right. one of my bags was lost for a while. They eventually oh, did find God. it. Good lord, Sarah, it, how was your week? <laughs> aside from my children turning off the AC and me not knowing it and calling an AC service person to come over and literally flip a switch for ninety bucks. Yeah, this is a thing I've never heard of. So she tells the mm-hmm. story about how the AC all of a sudden went out. They bring a guy out there, and it turns out that one of your children turned it off at the actual AC unit. There's yeah. a thing. So, like, in our storage area, there's an AC unit, and on the side of it, in a in a not totally visible area, there is what looks like a light switch. I mean, it looks just it's like a light really switch. really weird. I I've feel like your air conditioner before. was assembled by a guy with a lot of spare parts. Right. I guess. Um, and so, so, at some point during the day, I must have been doing laundry or something and just, like, turned my head for a second. He turned it off. We didn't notice for hours. You know, it was a whole thing. So it's been really hot in our house up until around <laughs> noon when I paid somebody 90 bucks to flip a switch for me. <laughs> and now everything's fine again. Oh, man. It's one of those stories yeah. you'll get to tell. And someday it'll be This is one of those days it's funny. in it's St. Louis where, like, we had full-on summer all of a sudden right. oh, yeah. for a solid mm-hmm. day. Steamy day. It was very, very hot. Complete with right in the middle of the day, like 2 o'clock, 3 yeah. o'clock, 3 o'clock, actually. I was sitting Sudden, in my very boss's office. Thunderstorm. And it was like, bam, rain. <laughs> yeah, and that actually had our AC not been working still. That would have been really nice because we would have cooled things off a bit, but our AC was working at that point. But no, my week was fine otherwise. Just little kid stuff. Oh, never stops. Doing, yep. Times two. They're wearing me down. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I love them, but I'm tired. Um, all right, so it's great to have you both back. I uh, apologize because I was the scheduling conflict last week, so I just, you know, I took I took the bull by the reins and was just like, okay, guys, could you just sit this out. I'm going to fix this and we're just going to push to next week so tiana on top of not being able to go to ireland you got to watch the most uplifting episode of the handmaid's tale this week to talk about oh wow it was really it uh, was one of those i think i referred to nikki i was like this is one of those oh by the way it's still terrible yeah we're still in gilead (laughs) remember yes so um um, overall because i know sarah you're a short timer here today sarah's got a thing she's got to do so we're gonna jump right in and and justin and tiana will do a little bonus content after because uh Last week, we talked about mixtapes because uh, Commander Joey had all kinds of mixtapes. I was super excited because yeah. mixtapes are a better component of my life for Mix- a lot of my if, life. If there was like an icon for Justin, oh, if you had man. to represent him in line icon form, it would definitely be a mix cassette it would. tape. It would. Not a, D, not a CD. We talked about that a last week. A mix cassette tape. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that shit was It's work. a very <laughs> you. That was commitment. Oh, yeah. A CD mm-hmm. was a little less commitment, but... A cassette was for real. Yeah. You had to sit there and listen Mixed to all that stuff. Mixed cassette tapes are like Justin's love language. Man, it's it, mm-hmm. you know what? Mm-hmm. No truer words have ever been spoken. It's definitely not my icon, <laughs> but I've definitely dove dove across a room or two to hit the record button you know, on the, the right cassette song. tape. Yeah, yeah like right on the radio. Like all right, so I'll let you get a little input on this because what we did is the, the Handmaid's Tale official Facebook page posted a thing about they they put this uh, graphic up that was now that's what I call Resistance Volume One. <laughs> Mixtape. Wow. And so I asked our followers to um, tell us what A, your song of resistance was and like your go-to mixtape love song would be. And we got some amazing responses. We got a hundred first of all, we got 125-ish nice. responses from people, which is insane. People are committed I, to the I, music. It makes to, me happy. I had to type them all up just so I could keep them on a spreadsheet. So um, we had everything from Bette Midler to oh, nice. Pink Floyd. Quiet to Riot. No quiet, no quiet, right? Twisted Sister. Huh? We're not going to take it. Two votes for that. Lots of people love killing in the name of. So Rage Against the Machine yeah. did their job very well. It's a okay. solid uh, classic uh, Some there. Big Sean. 
which made me think of you. Hey, all yeah. right. I love Big Sean. Well, Big Sean. I'm guessing it wasn't, um, well, was it the love song, Sh- no, uh, Big it Sean? No, it was I Don't Fuck With You. Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. <laughs> that's a good one. I was thinking of um, Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay, which is a great love song. Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay, that's a fantastic name. By Big Sean. It's a good one. Check it out. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you, Sarah, for your mixtape. If you were making, this is you making a mixtape for someone you care about, your husband or not. Um, what's your go-to, like, what's a good Sarah go-to mixtape love song? Oh, love song? Yeah, let's do a love and a hate. Ooh. You know, it's interesting. Is it? That you say that, because I a, a root song comes to mind, but you shamed my root, I, that's roots because, knowledge. Uh, so wait, 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 time out in the field. Let's not make it sound like Justin, like... Like was the like snooty music guy and was like, oh, you don't know enough about the roots. It's the, that you, time. that you, thank you. That's also correct, Fair. accurate. Um, it's that you didn't know who they were. No, I knew who they were. I just only knew one of their songs. Yeah, and you were like, you only know sense. one song. I don't of theirs. know how that happens. It's, in life. He did a collaboration with Music Soulchild, mm-hmm. who I adore, and I was very into him at the time, and that's how I even knew about the Roots song because of their collab with him. For those of you who are at home, going, who the hell are the Roots? If you're going to be that person. Uh, if you've watched Jimmy Fallon, yeah, they play, yeah. They are his band. But I knew who they were before they played for Jimmy Fallon, That's to good. be fair. Okay, so I thought of it. I, I shook got Quest it. Love's hand, by the way. It's the second best handshake of all time. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I, like, I know about the first one. Don't, don't. No, even... I didn't shake his hand, and we're not talking about that because it's misconstrued all the time, all right? I'm not talking. You okay. just said second best handshake of all time. I, I feel didn't like shake Eddie Vedder's hand. No I patted him way. on the back. I know. There is no way f- for. Thoughts of misconstruing that, construing that sentence to not enter your mind. <laughs> nope, that's what we're gonna have to let it be. What do you Shade got? Shade by your side. Oh, I love Shade. That's a little old school. I and like I that. I love that song, and I never tire of it. And it's, it's just, it's super romantic. It's just a great song. All right, so pissed off, Sarah. Resistance, Sarah. What's your go-to? <sighs> so cliche as hell, but we're not gonna take it. Was the first really? thing that came into my head. Yes, that's hilarious. I know. Although. I really thought we were going to get hit him up by Tupac. I was going to say, I was just going to say it, dang it. Uh, hit him up by Tupac. It's an angry it's, song. It's got to be like one of the top five angriest songs ever written. Yeah, he's He makes going fun off. of a person with sickle cell anemia. He really so, does. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it goes off the chain. See, as kids say. And that's why that one I was kind of like, still said huh. it? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I my, thought about it. My dad says it, so I'm going to oh, go with no. that's a no. That's a no. Mm-hmm. Or maybe some, some DMX or something, Man. but... Speaking of off the chain, DMX is a little. Woo. Yeah, you think? I like DMX though. But yeah, know. I thought about hit him up, but hit him up is almost a little too unhinged for me. I'm right? like, dude, who else was in the studio? Right. Like, come on, Tupac, take it, down. take it down, down a down notch. notch. Was he drunk? I think like, that's the thing no one ever said to Tupac. No, and I, you know, in a lot of ways, <laughs> I'm glad because I like, I like him a lot. He's very important to my formative years of listening to music and things yes. but so, i so twisted sister yeah that's I know, it's not a what i expected from that's, that's okay it's a great song well i i worked in the kitchen of an italian restaurant for years oh. and they had a ton of alternative influence mm. on me yeah yeah and so i know a lot about like corn oh, and rage and yeah so i know all those bands too but i was also exposed to some of the older school stuff cool. hmm. tiana 
I, I've been like desperately looking through yes. my music collection to find a, a love song that I really love. And like I looked through all my favorites thinking like surely there's going to be one in there and that would like logically be. There There aren't love songs in my favorites apparently. It's hard to go there. Um, Not surprised. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Thanks. Not even a little bit. Um, which I, you know, I just never thought about, I guess. I don't know. I don't they have make a you feel your feelings sometimes. Mm. I have a lot of angry songs. What's your angry song? What's your go-to angry song? I think right now it's Heads Will Roll. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yes. Really? Um, yeah, I love Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, That's a good, good one. It's pretty good. Yeah. They got love songs. You could put maps. You could do the same band. Yeah, I don't love maps. Mm. That's like one of my least favorite really? Yeah, yeah songs. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. It's, it's kind of draggy. Draggy? Yeah. All right. It goes opinion. on a little too long. It's an opinion. I like it. I don't yeah. Like it. Love it. It's a What's good your song. love song? Uh, my love song was Tori Amos doing Led Zeppelin Thank You. Not surprised at all. No. That's Sounds like me exactly and Nikki's song. That's right. our jam. Cute. Mm-hmm. It's totally cute. And then my, my angry song, I had to think about it, but then it came to me, is uh, a song by Against Me called um, Black Me Out. And I pasted the lyrics for the chorus, which involved the words, I want to piss on the walls of your house. Which is wow, strong, strong. Like that leaves strong feelings like, there. Like leaves no gray area. Like right. I'm angry. How it's, do you feel? It's an amazing song. Um, oh, so that was my go-to. I know what my love song would be, but it's it's not like a romantic love. Hey, you do you. What you got? I really love uh, Zion. I don't even know oh. what that is. Sarah knows by Lauren oh. Hill. You know this. Oh, see. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about your child. I have thoughts, oh, feelings, and opinions God. on Lauren Hill that prevent me from enjoying her music. But really? Well, it's okay. It's oh, okay. You're missing out. I know. Because X Factor will it. just break your heart in I half get it. and mm-hmm. stomp on I the I still floor listen to Miss Educational Lauren Hill oh, yeah. very regularly. X Factor just gets me. I don't know what it is. Anyway, but right. Diane is a lovely song. It's truly really really, beautiful. It really is. All right, so tell us what you thought about this episode of The Handmaid's Tale, Sarah, since you're the one that has to leave us shortly. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was, I don't know. It was bizarre. It was a really bizarre episode. Um, it was more horrific than I kind of thought it was going to get with the, um, uh, the silencers, like the silencers that we're going to call them. Well, I don't know. I didn't know what to call them. I I put in my notes. Like ringing the bell. I don't know what you would call it. So like the whole thing about the handmade. If you, if anybody out there has a good name for whatever they call that, you know? Yeah. So the whole thing about The Handmaid's Tale is that it's a show that is very timely, right? Like, we talk mm-hmm. a lot about how sometimes we feel like it's a little bit too close to home and everything that's been going on politically. We say that? No. I'm, we don't uh, say that? Uh-uh. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's where the my show, head goes. The show is not political. It's just a show. Oh, right. No. Say the trolls. No, yes. No message there. But either way, there's a scene at the end where... Um, they're at the Lincoln Monument. And oh, man, that was hard. I know. It was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. It felt very uh, relevant and scary. Mm-hmm. So it was scary mm-hmm. in a different way, I guess. Because right. the ways that they've been scaring us <laughs> in the last couple seasons are very different than what last or last night's episode or tonight, whatever, right. whenever it airs. Um, whatever tonight's episode was doing was a different kind of scary. And, it's on right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was scary and bizarre and made so me, me feel kind of. Let angry. me uh, let me let me dive into a couple scenes here and ask you a few questions, sure. just based on what I what I've written down here. So, what did you think of the whole uh, the handmaids with the, the the mouth thing, the silent? What are we calling silencers? The I, rings I, in the I, mouth. We'll call I it. I think rings it's in the like mouth. technically still a cowl. Cowl. 
That's what well, you're talking about. What, the actual no, ring or the, the actual thing, but like the ring. Oh, yeah. that, that I don't know. They look like giant staples. Yeah. A lot of questions. Somebody asked, like, how do they eat and brush their teeth and yeah. do other things? I would imagine they have to eat through straws. But how do you brush your teeth? They probably don't. I guess they don't need teeth per se. It's true. Wow. Just like they don't need yeah. eyes and Sarah. hands. Wow. Yeah. Well, but your teeth, if your teeth are, uh, if you have problems with your teeth, it can create other health issues. Right. I don't think the handmaid's health is, is first well, and foremost. I think down. as long as their reproductive organs are working fine, like they don't really care about mm. everything else. Yeah, neck down health. They clearly don't care about their mental health. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just thought, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, just when you don't think it can't, like for June, it's like, oh, I have it terrible. And then you get to DC and you're like, oh. I have it mostly terrible. I don't have it all the way terrible. If, if even Lydia, Aunt Lydia, right. is crying oh, about God, it, I know. then it's bad. Lydia peeking at the thing was like, uh, and that was kind of weird for me. I was like, why doesn't she like know this exists? That seemed a little weird to me. That like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't get the impression that even the women who are given some level of power, they, like they don't get all the information. Mm, that's probably true. You know, they're, they important. know what they need yeah. to know for their immediate job. Right. Otherwise, they would have more power to rise up. Yeah, that's mm. true. Um, so, yeah, we did have a little... Uh, we're, Nick we're, revelation. We're, uh, okay, so it was like the least surprising revelation, though, right? Like, nobody thought that the whole Nick plan was going to go off without a hitch in this oh, episode, sure, right? yeah. One thing I did find really surprising about this revelation was, though, that, like, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a reason, like, we called him Worthless Nick for quite a while. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, he seemed very incapable of a lot of things, mm-hmm. especially things that required, like, complexity of mm-hmm. plan. Um, and, you know, apparently he pulled off something big enough and important enough that like he really is capable of at least the terrible parts of things, right? Um, and that that part I found really surprising because it just impl- implies another level to Nick, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily just like you know bad decision making, right. but like another level of like capability. Yeah, but there was an interview with Max Mangella where he was just talking about how Nick is more or less all about self preservation, that he doesn't necessarily think that. I guess, character-wise, he doesn't necessarily think he's going to turn out, I guess, to be super bad, which I don't think he will. I still think they're going to try and redeem him somehow. But, um, that yeah, Nick kind of plays to whatever's going to keep Nick out of trouble, whether or not his true intentions, like, you know, obviously I think the feelings that he has for June are genuine, and he said that in the interview, that, you know, what he feels for her is not inauthentic, that the, the love that they, he feels for her is real. Um, and so that part of it is real. I just think that he, for whatever reason, isn't necessarily going to go against the grain unless he can figure out a way to not die in the process. Yeah. Well, some some people's version of love is still selfish. Sure. The, well, not going against the grain and self-preservation are one thing, but like leading our, an army, you know, that's quite sure. another thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing we know, uh, Nick was in a bad place, like when he went and you know, mentally, he was in a bad mm-hmm. place to begin with. So, who knows what he was like or bought into? And I mean, that's how these kind of things happen. And I think that's what they're trying to, you know, telegraph to people is it's people that you aren't necessarily crazy, wacko people. It's people that are in desperate situations or people vulnerable. that are just like, yeah, vulnerable to these kind of things. And then whether they wake up one day and go, oh, well, that was fucked up and I probably should have done that or not, or have like 
you know, still have these other feelings that they can have for being in love with Juman or whatever. There's, you know, perfectly rational people like we talked about in the first, you know, season, like the people that are going to be, you know, in the eye or guardian are going to be people that are like your dentist down the street or some dude that you know that you don't know very well. Yeah, they're like secret Nazis. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, some other things we got. We got we finally got um, the Swedish people involved because Oh, because why not? Because the Swedes or the Swiss, I guess Swiss, Swiss, Swedes, same people. Yeah. Am I doing that right? No, no. Swedish, no. Swiss, Sweden and or Switzerland. Switzerland. Two, different, two countries. different countries. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so the Swiss being right down the middle still, Neutral. which is pretty impressive. Um, even in the Gilead regime, I guess the, they're going to they're negotiating with Canada, which I find it kind of amusing that there's even the negotiations going on. But they do mention that the Gilead still has all the military might, I guess, that the United States had because they just basically took shocking. over right i really did not think like there's not a self-destruct that button. there would still be <laughs> such a fear of the united states uh military because right. it has seemed like so much was destroyed yep. in the takeover i found that surprising too like yeah. when the swiss lady was like they have a very powerful and i was military like, really? yeah is it maybe, yeah. maybe it's just because the East Coast seems relatively preserved? Yeah, and because yeah, we don't really know what the rest of the country looks like, or you yeah, know, I mean, we had these like everything. random iffy maps, but like yeah. you know, we we don't really know what is contained in they whole swaths taken of Chicago states. Chicago yet? I was like, oh, Nick's going to Chi Town. Um, so here's a couple more questions for Sarah. Um, regarding Nicole. So we obviously find out that Nick is not who we think he is. And one thing that was pointed out by several people, I was glad to see this from a bunch of Facebook people online. Um, Nick and June continued their trend of making out and kissing in wide open Old spaces hands. where yeah, they can man. just Jeez. not even the holding hands. Like in the picture, the touching the hands, that was fine. Mm. It was the outside, you know, I get it, you're probably in like a you know, dark location somewhere, but you were still like outside. Surely like, there are still people out like around this hugely important commander's house. I mean, surely there are people out there, right? I just, didn't see this becoming... Okay, so first of all, the open displays of affections are absolutely absurd between the two of them. And right. always have it. They were standing in front of everyone facing them with a camera and, like, touched hands. hands. And yeah. Fred was watching the monitor on which they're... On it. <laughs> I just, it was absurd. But also, did anybody find this, like, unexpected, like, promotion thing that Fred is now getting? And what was happening between Fred and that commander, George? Yeah, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay, we won't then. Uh, you guys can No, 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 we can talk about leave. it, because that's a huge part of that episode. What the... Yeah. F- yeah. Was it was that? great to see Fred uncomfortable. I yes. just gotta put that out there. I was like, oh, you, yeah. might, you might wind up being used for somebody else. Yes. That's very interesting. Yeah, so, I, so there was an article, the, there was an interview done with him, the actor that plays him, and plays George Mr. Or Winslow, okay. Commander okay. Winslow, and he was talking about kind of alluding, the, the headline made it seem a little more specific than it was. The headline alluded to the fact that there's going to be some sort of, quote, affair between the two. Ah. Um, I did not necessarily get that from what he said in the article, but just that his character, he wanted, this was his words, this is what he wanted to bring to this character as an actor was somebody that is so high in the authority that the rules don't apply to him. Sure. That he can do whatever he wants, clearly. Um, and so that's kind of how he's operating. And so it'll be interesting to see what that means for Fred, who is, I think, probably obvious 
to Commander Winslow trying to make his way back up in the yeah. ranks after all the screw-ups that he's done. So, you know, when I was texting with Nikki, she was watching it today, and I was like, it'll be interesting to see how they flip that if they go full, like, I don't think they can full, uh, I'm just going to say this, I don't think they can go on, like, full, like, this guy's going to rape Fred. I don't think we can go, like, all the way there, because I think so that would be that. too much, right? But I think there could definitely be, a, uh, it goes far enough to where it flips the dynamic on its head and Fred gets to experience, you know, what all the women mm-hmm. in Gilead experience. And I think that's kind of where this is headed. I don't know. What did you guys think? Do you think anything like that? Uh, <laughs> Sarah's like, oh. oh. Um, I mean, I do. Uh. Because I didn't get the other way would be that Fred voluntarily goes into that well, I and I there's nothing about I, on the last the one two hand, seasons I don't that, see that happening but on the other hand man he is so desperate for I approval and say, success I that, don't like, disagree I don't I don't feel like it couldn't happen because if he feels like this is a person who is going to give him validation going to continue promoting him and giving him visible public success well, I'm going to make you know going to make happen? his consistent screw-ups go away yeah, and exactly what Sarah just said. Say that again. And if he doesn't do it, what would happen? Exactly. So I I foresee a very uncomfortable situation where they eventually get together physically, right? Mm-hmm. And Fred willingly does it, but hates every second of it, and it's very uncomfortable for him. But I don't Which know. Which is a situation that happens in real life to oh, yeah. women. For sure. It happens to men, too. Well, it does. But to me personally, I've not experienced that being in that position. So I just know that. I mean, we had several of those, like the Aziz Ansari situation and all those similar things. Yeah. Like he thinks, I'll just do this and I'll endure it. And then everything will unfold for me and it will be great. The best scenario would be he endures it, thinking he's going to get all these promotions and all this validation and all this, you know, kind of fluffed upness. And ooh, for lack of a better way of saying that. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> a fluffer reference. Uh, well done, Sarah. Well done. Um, and then he just, and then they just kind of part ways. Like, wouldn't that be great? Like, he doesn't do anything mean to Fred, but after that happens, he just is like, but nothing happens. See you later. Yeah, like, thanks. Go back <laughs> Done with to you now. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so, maybe, so maybe that would be great. So maybe he's going to be like the Harvey Weinstein of Gilead, promising you know lots of things for your career in maybe, exchange for maybe. some things. And then not doing anything bad, like not damning them after it, but just right. being like, well, yeah. okay. What did I say? Bye I bye. said that? I don't know if I said uh, that. I think you might have misunderstood. Just mm-hmm. hold on. Just wait. Right. Just give me some time. <laughs> and then like nothing happens for Fred. Oh, so. That would make me so happy. Yeah, I do. I do really desperately want Fred to feel like what it's like to be used and have no control. Right. Well, because he's definitely, in the, even in this whole episode, like when they get to the house and... Serena is like, we should have just stayed at a hotel. But you can tell Fred is like, no, we got to stay here. Oh, yeah. No, he said this, this is, is a like, great opportunity exactly, yeah. for exactly. us. So this whole thing, Fred is, you know, turned into Fred show, for lack of a better term. I think he's using, you know, Serena's vulnerability for what she feels to Nicole for his own good, which is total Fred. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a optimal way for Fred to gain national notoriety for something sympathetic, not yeah. for fucking it up. Right. Yeah. For a change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is something that he could be seen as fucking up, but he is turning it so that it's much easier for people to see him as a sympathetic character in this and as a loving, supportive husband. Now, here's my next question about Serena, because Nikki and I did talk about this. And this whole, like, I saw the baby and it changed everything for me seems a little weird, given that she got off the plane and said to Fred, it's over. And then Fred said it didn't have to be. 
Like, unless there was some, like, magical conversation that, like, flipped her mind, I don't know. It seems very strange to go from it's over and, like, seeming like she was trying to put it behind her to having no context for it. But then she's all of a sudden, well, it changed it for me because I saw her. Um, so I was trying to think about what would flip Serena because I was like, what's happening here? The only thing I can piece together is that her life is so terrible without Nicole in it. Really? Yeah. Because her mom is awful, worthless, just a terrible person. Hates Serena clearly and herself. Fred is also a piece of shit, but he's the only one that can give her any semblance of like comfort or power, even though neither one of those things are really happening for her, but they're happening more for her than anybody else around her. Her only friend at the time, after she gave Nicole back, was a handmaid who is a handmaid. I mean, it's it sucks, but if your only friend is um, June in Gilead, that's not good. If your only friend is a a wife's commander's wife is the person that you're having to hold down and have raped several times a month, then that's probably not a good thing. Well, and even June is gone. And then Nick is gone. And so it's just her and her husband who she hates and she can't run to her mom because her mom's awful and she has no children. And, you know, like there's just no one for her. And so I think... She'd rather be miserable with Nicole than be miserable without Nicole. Because those are her options at this point. Like, think about if she Serena's does get options. Nicole back, somebody loves her. Right. Right. Nobody loves her right now. Right. And that That's was true. part of the argument that they had at the Lincoln Monument. You know, yeah. she was just like, you you can't love. Yeah. But I think she thinks I can love Nicole enough. Yeah, there was I'll be enough for her. Somebody, and I'll have to look it up, somebody wrote in to me about I guess she is either a psychology student or is a psychologist. And was talking about, I guess there is a, a certain thing that you look for in people who are uh, have personality disorders. Uh, Tiana's mother, who probably going to correct me all kinds of like this on Facebook, um, that she has two out of the three of them, essentially, that she's uh, borderline narcissistic and also kind of borderline personality disorder as well, where, well, not borderline personality, but to the point where she essentially thinks what she's doing is correct. And that no matter what who what else happens to everybody else, that she thinks whatever the outcome is, is the right thing to do. Because that's how her brain works. Well, she had a moment of clarity when she gave away Nicole, which is interesting. But now she's kind of back in, I'll be enough for her and she'll be enough for me. Right. And we'll love her enough and we're in a position of privilege and power that she'll be okay. Right. Like, who cares about anybody else? But she won't end up as a handmaid with bars across her mouth. and right. You know what I mean? Like... Some of those kids have to, some of those girls have to wind up as handmaids. There's no way they could sustain society at the rate they're going. Well, I, at the rate they're to... maiming handmaids <laughs> and sending them off to the right. colonies. Yeah. Like, they, they some of those children will wind up as handmaids. I, that's the part I know. Somebody, we, I got in, I didn't get an argument. I was just having a discussion with somebody. Like, we, I, I don't know that I know what the, like, the criteria is. Yeah, what the criteria is. Well, originally, it was I just, are you fertile so. and not important? I wouldn't think if you were the daughter, child of a commander and their wife that they would make you a handmaid unless... I don't know. How many of those children are fertile? I, I don't know. Can you be... A, well, it's that, a very small number. That begs the question, why is every wife... I forgot in the book. I'm sure they said it in the book, but it's been three years since I read the book. Why is every wife infertile? So in the book, it, there is a disease, and the way that it is explained is that it goes through, because there's so much 
intermarriage and interrelationships in the rich, yeah, higher the class classes. people that it ravages the upper class people and they're all the wives there become barren because it basically stays there because they all basically, you know, sleep and stay in the same circles and date all the people from each other's families in the whole nine yards. And so it doesn't affect the lower class population, for lack of a better term, as much. Yeah. And so basically all the rich people become, for the most part, uh, barren. I thought it was just that Serena was much older in the book and that's why no. she was no longer able to. I don't think so. No, it is. A lot of the commanders and wives were much older in the book. It yeah. wasn't just the Waterfords. Yeah, they were all, it yeah. felt like. No, that's, that's what, how it was explained, is that it was basically some kind of, I don't know if it was like a venereal disease or like a disease disease, but it mm-hmm. basically yeah. made all the... Yeah, I don't think they really talk about like how communicable it no, was. No, and it's one of those things like they don't even know, like like in the book, it's very nonspecific as to what caused it. Like, you know, there was, because it was 1984, it was, you know, nuclear and, you know, the environment and all kinds mm-hmm. of different factors, so... They don't really even go into detail of what, because I don't know if they knew. But that's basically how that happened. And they talk a lot more about having, like, poison the food supply and stuff like that through destruction of the environment. And that that had something to do with it, but they aren't really clear on how it worked or why. And that that didn't affect everybody evenly. Well, then daughters might end up as handmaids because how many people really can do it? I mean, my thought is... And I don't know, this is just me kind of thinking like I would think if I was a person who was running Gilead terribly. Um, that maybe the plan is to ha- like have these children who seemingly wouldn't be affected by all the things that the, they're... Because since the War commanders and the, the, the wives yeah. aren't their true parents except for the, you know, the husbands are. Since the wives are the Sometimes. ones with the... The I guess if you're thinking genetically, that yeah. whatever caused them to be infertile wouldn't be passed down to the child. So eventually, you would have enough fertile wives to not fertile wives to not need handmaids. handmaids. That that would not be a need anymore. That the handmaids were basically a Means necessity. To an end. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah, like given the transition. Yeah. Sarah, right, are you guys. taking off? Okay, I, I want to go. One more question. Sure. Your thoughts on Lydia? Who was super teary this episode? Yeah, she um, was. I almost felt bad for her at some points. And rumor has it almost. we're getting our we're getting our Lydia backstory episode very soon. I kind of think this is a good time for it because I think mm-hmm. we like the initial part of the June Serena thing has run its course. So I think it's time for our Nick and uh, Lydia backstory episode. Well, I mean, it would be timely, but yeah, I mean, Lydia, as cruel as she can be, she loves them. In a weird, messed up way. Yeah, I'm not in saying a really it's normal, healthy yeah. love, okay? But um, she does love them. And I think the barred mouths, or whatever you want to call this now, um, was so severe that I think that would be enough. Not to turn Lydia, necessarily, because I feel like that's a little I, severe. It seemed enough to remind her that they're in a very sympathetic position. Right? Yep. Like, I, I feel like she forgets that sometimes. Like, she sometimes, like, has the party line so much. Like, you are privileged. You have been chosen for this whatever godly task and given a nice home. And, you know, she, she says the party line so much that she believes it sometimes. But, but I think knows. this was a time when she just, like, was not buying it. Like, that was so clearly horrible. And one of the things that she said to June when June was like, do you want us to be silenced? She was like... I I sometimes think that if I can just help one person, then I've done my job or I've done enough or you right. know, something along those lines. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, Lydia might play a key role in something important to help 
someone because of the guilt she feels because mm-hmm. she's perpetuating all this crap, mm-hmm. which in Boston or wherever they are yep. feels okay just because, I mean, if you follow the rules, everything's right. fine and you're fine and everybody's good. We had a hot meal and a roof over your head and all that. Right. Well, and if what we're Washington, thinking, DC, like, if what we're thinking, like the handmaids are a necessity and if she views it that way yeah. in that this is how we have to keep the population going. Right. Ring your, how we say putting, putting rings through their mouth so that they can't speak or eat is not a necessity, like a necessity right? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. I think she might be turned in a small way. Like, she might be given a small window to do something kind of good one time, and she will. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like she's being given a similar opening as to what Serena was given. Right. And, and then, I, I expect about as much out of it. And then, last but not least, uh, what did you think of the uh, throwdown showdown in front of the Lincoln Monument? Okay. It's weird that they get these like moments to talk because when you find out what's actually happening right after that, shouting, how did everybody not hear that conversation? People, they were right at the bottom of the steps, though. Speaking of shock value, though, to show the Lincoln Monument destroyed like that was very. Mm-hmm. You know, so purposeful, I guess, because the whole time, I mean, they're talking. I'm paying attention to what they're saying, but I just keep staring at the Lincoln right? Monument. Yeah. CGI to be destroyed right. or whatever, and I'm just like, Gah. so I don't know. I mean, I think it doesn't really matter what they say to each other at this point. I don't know that June has an impact. I think Serena's in a in a game face place yeah. Yeah. that Serena that June could say some really important, really you know, aware things about her, like you can't love and all those things, and I don't think it matters. So when they were fighting, I was like, good for her. I'm glad she's saying what she thinks and wants and feels. But it doesn't matter. And that was true. Right after that, Serena's like, well, whatever. You know? And then they went and filmed that. I don't know what Serena's last response was. Between the two of them, June won the argument, in my opinion. (laughs) But then I put in my notes, and then she lost. Because then 30 seconds later, she had to walk down and film that video where they're begging for her daughter to come back into, you know. very much full of sound and fury signifying nothing, (laughs) more or less, you know, just... Insults to trade insults for the sake of insults just to get them out there. Yeah. But in the end, it didn't change anything. Right? That's yeah. what I saw. Well, I mean, yeah. not that we, yeah, not, not that, that we, we know, know so far. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there yeah. have definitely been times this season in the past where, like, somebody heard something they really needed to hear and it did kind of right. change the course of events. But I don't know that this was one of those I didn't times. See Serena that. did need to hear all that, but I don't didn't see feel it like it was sinking in. Productive. No. Yeah. It no, didn't feel yeah, productive no, it at didn't. All. Well, and it didn't seem like the intent was to. At that point, they weren't Mm-mm. trying to change each Mm-mm. other's minds. It was like, okay, we're here. Let's just get this all out of the yeah. open. Ties are severed. And the, uh, oh, the shot of them when they turn to walk towards each other, that like long shot where they were like coming in for like the showdown, <laughs> like it was the old west. I was yeah, like, it was, I was very like, much that was awesome. like, <laughs> yeah, it was like a duel. Yes, and the riders. The, that's like as a rider, you got to be like, yes, this is where all the fun comes in. It's like, okay, what shitty things can they say to each other? And go. I want to know what the board. I want to know. I want to see a shot of the riders' room of all the stuff they left on the board of like, because you know they had to like brainstorm. Like, what terrible things can Serena say to you? I should have ringed your mouth the moment I saw you. And I was like, damn. damn. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Although crazy June face while she was circling her going, you're never going to be free of me until both my dogs. Oh, man. Like, wow, she made that true crazy face. That was face. haunting. <laughs> she was like, I'm coming for you in your sleep crazy face. I was like, yes. Awesome. I was, was so glad scene. it was said. From from like a watcher, like viewer standpoint, like, storyline, yeah. you know, it didn't. Her options much. are limited. Yeah, but right. from <laughs> everybody in the, in the audience is like, hell yeah. I know. Yeah. And they're Maybe like, we oh, just needed it as audience. Stalker nightmares. Yes. yes. Yeah. We needed to get that. But the one thing I did read is that it's kind of June, this episode at the end of it is kind of June 
having to basically say, okay, I can't rely on anyone because Serena's out. I got no clue what Nick is about anymore at all. My commander uh, thought he was cool, but he's nuts. Commander is, you know, Joy clearly Lawrence. he's putting on the commander show um, for Serena, uh, you know, with gira- uh, that whole thing, that whole scene with the zebra. What was it? What did he have? A lion. He had a lion when he's mm-hmm. playing with the kids. Oh, man. And she just melted. Oh, that whole scene, like, that whole scene infuriated me. Of course. I was like, I want all you people to burn. Oh, and she ate it up, and he knew she would. Uh-huh. He He's not a total dummy. He can play and then her he like that. He sees the ring. Yes. He's like, oh, she's still wearing her wedding ring mm-hmm. from the photo shoot, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize she had been without for so long. Yeah, she took it off. Yeah. I think right before she moved in, with tried to burn down the house. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. right next to her severed finger, so mm. I can see. Yes. How that would. All right. Be. So, any final thoughts before you jump out of here? No, but I don't. The the false sense of security that I think we've been lulled into from episodes one to five, I think, mm-hmm. is over. And uh-huh. six through 12, 13, I believe. 13? Yep. Six through 13 are really going to give it to us. I've only cried once so far in the first six episodes, but I think I'm due here <laughs> yeah. for some open yeah. weeping as I watch it. We so shall see. Stay yeah. tuned for that. All right, Sarah. And uh, carry on, you two. We will. See you later. Hi. All right. Well, so no car. we'll continue with the Justin and Tiana show. That would be a terrible name for a show. Really? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. That's a bummer. All right. So let's go do a little uh, rewind and then we'll get a little more in detail on some of these on, on some of these things. Okay. okay. Um, first of all, this opens up with a fairly uh, a scene that has a fairly great line from June. I thought where she is talking about you know Fred and or yeah Fred and Serena and how you know. They're praying because they walk by the group of Marthas that are praying. And she says she prays for Serena and Fred to have basic you know, mm-hmm. clarity to see that what's happening for Nicole now is the right thing. Or to get hit by or a bus. Or to get hit by a bus, which I was like, yeah. yes, that's how I feel all the time. Honestly, I'm down for either one. Yes. I was like, yeah, yes, we all was, are. We're was, there with you. That was a great moment. Um, so we find out that they are, dun, 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 it's time to go to Washington, D.C. The Waterfords go to Washington, as I like to call it. I was, I was, uh, I don't know if I just completely blacked it out in previous seasons, but I was kind of surprised that Washington, D.C. was still the capital. Yeah, I didn't, I, I don't know that I was Did surprised. Did they mention that before? But I don't think they'd ever said, I think they'd maybe referred to the capital, but oh, I don't okay. think they had ever. Because, like, strategically, it's not the best place to have your capital. Probably not. But, um, so, yeah, so interesting. So, some, some funny things here. June sharing a row with Aunt Lydia, who's, like, nodding off in the train on the way down and her cane's about to fall off and it's like <laughs> Aunt yeah. Lydia is just well, you know, she's the worst she's and an the older best lady. sometimes uh, the Washington Monument as, we, as we've seen in some promo shots if you you know you're a non-spoilery person went on total media lockdown those. you haven't seen that? yeah no I try to avoid that stuff okay. before the season starts right. um, sometimes I break down and check it out anyway because I'm just so curious right. but I did and a good job Nikki was the same way she had not um, seen it either because I mentioned I had not seen it either yeah as soon as I saw it out the window I was like OMG, is that the Washington <laughs> Monument? What the fucking hell did they do to yeah, it? And then I was like down the rabbit hole of like, how did they do that? Like literally, logistically. logistically, like how did they do that? That looks really difficult to attach to an existing structure that was very smooth. I don't understand. The, but, Lord, the Lord helped them. Uh, yeah, sure. So, I, okay, this is the other part. Like I didn't know where they were when they got there. Was that like a terminal was it like the airport was I, it the I bus didn't station know either. the train well, all station all the escalators made me think airport but they took a train yeah, so it, maybe it, it was grand central station yeah it must have been because lydia mentions it being like historic like she gives it like this 
you know, when she's but talking to June. Built by a heretic originally. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who built Grand Central Station. Yeah, because I guess Maybe she, this is a thing you know if you're from Washington. Yes, if you live in Washington and you know who built Grand Central Station, please let us know. Um, but then or June, whatever she, it's called in Washington. Yeah, whatever, I'm sure that's not the Whatever the thing is name. that we're trying to talk about that we're talking about poorly. Um, and then she tells her to go to her spot. And I was like, what are we even oh, talking about? That is how some of my friends refer to where their dogs go when they need to, like, calm down and not be jumping all over people. Like, when they're misbehaving, they say, go to go to your spot. Mm-hmm. And the dogs know, like, they each have separate spots and right. they know where that is. And I was like, oh, my God, is this, like, a, a thing? But no, it's a literal spot. Well, and my a thing. A literal spot on the floor. For all the organization that is in Gilead, she says that to June. And June has no clue what she's talking about i'm like was there no like prep on the way up here well, she wasn't the only one well, coming. what was she gonna do read the prep materials i lydia could have said okay when we go up here you're gonna have to go stand in this spot like that's her job her job yeah, is the that's handmaid true. that's true so she's our handler i just thought it was a little weird that she like said go to your spot and june was like june was like what the fuck does that mean but then, then she like walks forward and she, say, a she sees spot. a literal <laughs> spot on a sign with an arrow and no words so clearly meant for the ladies <laughs> right pointing to a huge Spot. Red spot on the floor, <laughs> and there are some. I so those the women that were right next to it, like, yeah, sort of guarding it. I mean, right. although in you know very public. I guess way. they were Marthas. I were they? There was they a couple kind of, that had like a, almost a hijab looking thing on. They like, they did have like a, like a hood, mm-hmm. um, but they also had like body armor. Yeah. So it was like, is this what happens when you're like a really, really good aunt and then you're like promoted to almost an eye? Maybe. But not yeah. really. I mean, are they allowed weapons? I, I have so many questions about these two people. It's true. Um because they seem to really be like ready to Yeah. Put the put their foot down. Yeah. And, for you real. Know, things that's it's kind of your first sign that it like, was it was weird. Things are a little more hardcore here in DC. Basically. Yeah, but it was women. <laughs> like yeah, that's no, what made yeah. it seem so out of place to me. Right. Like, they're so, so much harsher on the women there, clearly. Yeah. By the, judging from the legions of mute women. Yeah. But these women were given some sort of more, like, more power. Right. Like, they even talked down a little to Aunt Lydia. Yeah. So it just, there's some, it there's felt some weird. Middle, I don't know. There's some middle ground there's some there between more military and, thing yeah. that we don't know about. Uh, some things that were really interesting, the men and women riding on separate escalators even, like, up the thing was a little weird. That was like, weird. that's two extremes, right? That was weird. Like, I get everything else, but man, that's that's a lot. Like, really? We can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, and so it, June... it was like oh, like cooties territory or something, <laughs> right? Like, they, they don't even want to touch the same surfaces. Well, it was uh, like Strange. an escalator of, like, Mike Pence just... I can't be in the same room with a woman by myself. I'm not riding an escalator with a woman by myself. That's even though it is completely out in the open and everyone can see us the entire time. You're not fooling me, ladies. Too risky. Rita and June have this little thing, um, which is interesting. I do. She's she's very peppered in this this season. Um, But she makes an interesting thing. It kind of goes back to what Sarah was saying about Nicole really being the only thing that Serena is having any kind of love for or feels like she can get any love from uh rita says well june says to rita that you know serena can't want this for nicole and she says she misses the baby it's the only thing she ever really wanted and then like they walk off because they're not really supposed to even be talking to each other Mm -hmm. so i thought that was interesting and rita even does it in like this 
duh. Like, yeah, like, you should clearly know that. you should know this. Right. And uh, I think it, Rita tends to do that, I think, when she's the only one there. Like, with June gone now, and whoever the new handmaid is, you know, she's no June, obviously. But when Rita has a kind of suffered the... I think they have a new handmaid? I would imagine they would have to, but I don't I know. I find it really interesting that we haven't seen her. It's true. We haven't Why seen a new Why isn't she considered upfront. part of the Waterford house? It's true. I don't know. Uh, so the next scene, Serena um, is... This is where they pull up to the Winslow's house, we find out. And Serena was like, we should have just stayed at the hotel. It was very ostentatious. Man, you talk about Kiliad house hunters. Yeah. Those people were not messing around. They won the house hunters lottery. They for real did. So we know that Commander Winslow is fairly high. We don't know how high. We don't know if this is like he's... We don't know what level he's at, but he is higher than Fret, for sure. I I was wondering if that is... Never having been to D.C., I have no idea. Right. Um... If, if that is, like, an important building in D.C. that he is inhabiting? Yeah, I don't know. Because you didn't I, really see the outside of it. Not really that much. You saw a little bit in the no. backyard when June and Nick are making out in front of everybody. That's true. You see, this, you see the front porch area. Yeah, that's it. So I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, so we do meet Mr. Winslow. And then, like, all their children come in. And there's, like, five quadrillion of them. Six children. That's insane. What the hell? And I, as Six soon as that happened, I was like, oh, this is bad. This is yeah. really bad. And they, the children all looked remarkably different. Mm, there were several indeed. handmaids involved there, clearly. Yes. Which is interesting because I, I, there's some, you know, much like the book, there's a lot of things you don't know yet about Gilead. Like, yeah. I feel like everyone wants the Gilead owner's manual. Like, I, we want to know. Yeah, like, like, what's the, the hierarchy? Book? What yeah, are the yeah, rules? Yeah. How many did they get? How many handmaids did they get? And I, right. Like, how many children do you get to have before you just don't get any more handmaids? And much like the book, they're piecemealing it to you. They're giving yeah. you little bits along the way. So clearly the higher ups can get however many children they want because yeah. these people just got children. That's pretty shocking. Coming out of their ears of every race and, you know, fix and size. So, yeah. Uh, June looks back when they like tell her to go to bed and she's like, shit, because Serena has got like baby oh, fever yeah. already. And she's this was holding, like, she's holding the little baby. She has seen the other side. Watching all the little kids run around and cheerfully. Like, and man, those kids were not a complainer among them. No, they were happy yeah. as can be. They were so excited to see their mom and pop. Now I couldn't replace what the Mrs. Winslow was mm-hmm. from. And then somebody posted that she is the, the mom slash wife. In uh, the Twilight movies, that's what she's from that I know of. You've seen her in other things, I'm I sure. I probably she, have. She's a good character actress. But like as far yeah, as she's like, great. Yeah. Um, as long as nobody in this show gets named Renesmee, I will be <laughs> a freaking okay. Yeah. You want to talk yeah. about a thing? She was uh, Esme. That's brutal. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so Rita and June have another conversation. We're like, have you ever seen that many before? <laughs> yeah. They're both like, no. Rita is even like, I uh, mean, that's a lot for now. Like, let's be real. If I walked into somebody's house that I didn't know and was just observing and one child wandered in all excited and then was very quickly succeeded by five more children, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Hello there. And Rita just makes this comment of they have a a, soccer team. Rita is even impressed that they have a handmaid at all, which tells you that maybe like under normal conditions, they shouldn't having as many children as they do. And she said privileges of rank. So. We're, we're to believe that he's, you know, as he described it, he wanted his character to be kind of outside the boundaries mm-hmm. of what is rules for everybody mm-hmm. else. So Also, some of those children looked very close together in age, which mm-hmm. I don't know if was just like by coincidence or right. if it was intentional. But that kind of made me think, like, does he have multiple handmaids at a time? It, maybe. I mean, he's that's what he said. He wants he's a rule like, breaker guy. I so don't understand. Get after that's it. Weird. I don't know. Or like as soon as one gets pregnant, does he get another one? I, I'm just confused. Yeah, we need to know. 
Um, so then Serena is getting ready to go night night, and Fred makes his appearance to uh, do a little PR. Um, and he uses my favorite line that Fred likes to use, trust me, when he's talking Ugh. about how they're going to be making the recording tomorrow. And he says, trust me, this I know I was about. just waiting for her to roll her eyes, and it didn't I happen. I was like, ah, oh, shit. She I, is not even, she's just swallowing the bullshit. All right. And I just wrote, ha, ha, ha. I couldn't leave, like, of all the things. Uh, so then Fred leaves the wedding ring. And he says, just so everything looks right, which I didn't even thought about because I completely. Yeah, I totally forgot. Forgot that she wasn't wearing it. Um, I was too distracted by the fake pinky. <laughs> yes, the fake pinky. Um, and then Serena takes out the paper that has Nicole's footprints on it, which is another bad sign. Just for uh, Yeah, I, I was not at all surprised by that. As soon as I saw that paper in last episode, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. man. Yes, things are not. That's not like the kind of thing that makes mom's heart smelt and just yeah I can only imagine if you didn't get to see your child but you had just that gross not even her child good feeling yeah um so now we're going to the recording which they're doing I didn't exactly know where this was happening it was at some building I didn't really know where it was but they keep they they didn't make good effect of the wings being behind Fred on Mm -hmm. the statue they Mm -hmm. like they, they, they made point of showing that several times which was pretty funny uh, this is where Lydia, which I thought was a great, like, it's not funny, but it's just funny to see her, uh, take the cowl down and like, look at the handmaid's mouths because like, she was like, what is happening? Yeah. Here? As soon as earlier in the episode when they arrive and she gets to the spot where you see that the other handmaids are wearing these cowls that completely cover, mm-hmm. not loosely, no. their mouth and jaw. My f- immediate thought was, oh shit, yeah. I bet their mouths are sewn shut under yeah. there. Yeah, and that's funny that you hadn't and seen that. That was one of the like promo things. Is like that because there were a bunch of pictures that came out of. Oh, this. did you see the rings in the promo? Yeah, mm-hmm. So you already knew what yeah, was under so there. I already gotcha. Knew it was under gotcha. There. No, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh no, that's only for one thing." Right. Even if you didn't know it was the rings, you're like, like "It's not that. It's not that cold in there." Whatever's under that's there. Clearly, is clearly covering up. Uh, so then, ba ba ba, Nick shows up. Um, and uh, before this, we do have a nice little interaction between June, who's still trying to get through to Serena like she's still on her side. I was like, how many of these do we have to do? And she says as many as it takes, which is like bad sign number 19 yeah. of this episode. But then Nick shows up and I'm still sort of fuzzy about why Nick's there anyway. Right. Uh, well, it seems like Fred was fuzzy on that. Like he just is there. He, right? He's Fred even says, what a surprise. Yeah. He's surprised. Yes. How did Nick know? To go there is the thing that I wonder the most about so, that situation. So I think it's important that we remember what Nick's job was in the first place. Which oh, was true. When Commander Guy that got blown up first recruited him, he was already wary of Fred. And so Nick's main job as the driver, even the whole point, was to keep an eye on the Waterfords, who that guy, rightly so, clearly, was pretty sure that Fred was... Uh, kind of a fuck up. Kind of an yeah. idiot. So we don't know that that is not still part of Nick's, you know, ultimate job now that even though he's now he's a, quote, commander. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't I, I was a little fuzzy as to why. Why are you even here yeah. other than to drive this plot? But maybe there's some secret thing we don't know about that he's supposed to be. Yeah, there for. yeah, definitely. Also, I was kind of sad to see how happy June was to see him. Because I was like, oh, but it's not going to go on. Don't. Don't do this to yourself. Don't do but, this to yourself. It never ends well. No. But, um, you know, to her credit, if you're thinking so like her. so happy in that instant. She is all about you got to find love where you can get it. And I then, know, you know. But, that's, oh, man. Yeah, it was bad. 
Uh, so Fred has Nick stand in for him while they're staging the photo. And of course, yeah, that was awkward. Of course, Damn. her and him and June decide to touch hands, which I just like. The thing, yeah, the things they do, it's and not, it was so obvious, right? They weren't even like hiding it behind the like voluminous red right. thing she's wearing. Just no, they're yeah, right I, out in the open. I get not necessarily hiding talking from Serena because Serena's kind of on the up and up because she's the one that put the whole thing together. Right. So that doesn't really matter. But like the audacity they have to be like touching there when Fred's got a camera trained exactly where right. you are. I don't know. It's just it's seems... not even like it would be Fred's word against his. Right. There's a camera there. Right. <laughs> it happened. We saw it. Uh, so then Serena, ha- as Tiana said, has her ring on with her fake finger that Rita made. Uh, so this is another Fred putting on the Fred show in the next scene. So we get June, Serena, and the Winslow brood, as I have <laughs> dubbed them. So everyone is like playing in this giant, giant playroom, playroom yeah. like foyer. I don't know what it, it's At like. At first a, I thought it was a playroom just for the girls. Right? And I was like, oh my God, how large is this mansion? Massive. It is huge. Yeah. And Fred. There's a tree growing in it. Yeah. Fred's got a like lion that he's playing with, with the one girl because they're doing like a tea party or whatever the hell they're doing. I don't know. Oh, um, that's later. That's the second. Oh, you're in right. In the, in the right. playroom scene. Something. Hold on. You know what? Fred's not there I, the We skipped time. a scene. We skipped the scene where June and the other handmaid are uh, going to bed and June is like trying to get her to talk to mm. her. And uh, yeah. she's like, why won't you talk to me? And then she finds out. And I thought it was very appropriate that she almost throws up on herself because mm-hmm. that's the appropriate reaction to mm-hmm. s- like having no clue what you're about to see and it being someone's mouth is ringed yeah. shut. I, I wondered why she was so shocked by it, honestly, having seen the cows. And she has seen other women's mouths sewn shut before in Gilead because we have. Yes, that's true. In earlier I seasons. I know that that is a thing that she yeah. is aware they do sometimes. True. This was clearly a much more permanent solution to whatever situation led to that. Right. But I mean, it. I, I was. I don't know why she was so shocked. I don't know, but it took her off guard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She was. That not, would be very scary. She was not all pleased, of a sudden like that. Nor expecting that at all. So then. And also, my next, my immediate reaction was like, I, I would be like compelled to run over and give this woman a huge hug, like, wow. I, it's what a terrible thing to live with, right? Ugh. Ugh. Just the yeah. There's also, so many questions gross. about that whole thing. Like that, I want to know and don't want to know. Yeah. Uh, so then we have the scene where they shoot the the photo or uh, the recording, and then we get June, Serena, and the Winslow brood. And so June comes up to Serena and you know asks her, "Is this what you really want?" And this is when we get the whole line about Serena saying that seeing her changed everything for me, which I didn't really necessarily understand given her reaction when she got off the plane of seeming to be at peace with the situation and like saying it's over. Um, I don't know how we got here, but, I, you know, yeah, there's a lot of that with Serena. <laughs> you don't necessarily know True. how or why you got where you are. She's not the most transparent. Uh, so Serena just like takes off and leaves and June's still standing there and Fred's kind of behind her kind of knowing what she's trying to do anyway. Um, and we find out that the Swiss are here to conduct some interviews. Uh, Canada has agreed to have some interviews and have the Swiss be the mediary to see if they're going to let Nicole come back. Uh, yeah. And we're just like, really? Of all the things we know. but the, Yeah, my thought was, really, Canada? I know, right? Come on. I wrote, what the fuckery of all fuckers. What happened to the applause for the handmaid who made it to Canada with the baby? Exactly. This is the same baby we're talking about. Yes. You were so happy to welcome them. So we get to the interviews. we going to give the baby back to these monsters. With the Swiss. 
And June and Fred, or not June and Fred, uh, Fred and Serena go in together because they walk out together. So they've interviewed together. And then they want to come talk to June and they want to interview her alone, which is interesting because I was not sure how all that was going to go down. I I think you couldn't possibly not interview her alone, right? I just didn't know if they were going to let them do that. And they played the culture card, which was interesting because uh-huh. Fred's like, you know, in our culture that right. wouldn't be, you know, the way we do it. And she's like, we'd still like to interview and yeah. we were like, oh, they're really going to like try and do this. Uh, so she goes in there. I, they didn't interview um, uh, Rita. Martha, Rita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they did. We don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. the, like off screen. I feel thing like they wouldn't, they would try not to let her be interviewed alone as well, no, though. That's true. Yeah, because I wonder wouldn't if. You want to interview the person who like observes all the things in right. the house, exactly. right? Exactly. So they go in there, and I guess we're supposed to think that the two people that June has removed are Gilead people that are there observing. Because I she says that must be that, although how, they look so normal. Right. I didn't know how she knew that unless they had like some Gilead stationery or something that she saw. But she has them removed. <laughs> Have them removed or I'm not going to talk. Um, I, also, that seems like a really red flag that like you are there to negotiate. Right. Exactly. And so they, they pretty much dispense with the pleasantries right away. And they're like, what do you need from me to make sure that this kid stays in Canada where she belongs? And apparently, as we find out. It's a little tough to get information on the Gilead regime. Shocking. Uh, they have about as much information as we have, apparently, which is not very much as to what the decisions are, who has the power, and all of these things that no one seems to know. Um, so June, in typical June fashion, says, I know what we're going to do. I'm going to come up with a plan before I really think about it or really get everybody that's got to be in the plan involved. And I'm going to offer up Nick because he's my commander and I can offer him up just because. And everybody in the audience is going, this is not going to end. Well. Yeah, no. It's w- First of all, it's one of those where it's like, there's a lot of episode left. This is going to end. That's how I felt about it. I feel about that sometimes. You're like, That's one of those where you pause and go, how much time we got left? Oh, yeah, no, this is going to get fucked up. Yes. Yeah. So she decides that Yet she's going to. again, gonna... she's not, not the best master plan maker. No. No, she's a little, you know. I mean, like, she's good at getting shit done. It's like Commander Joey said. She's a little, you know, she operates off the cuff, doesn't mm-hmm. really think. Gets over her skis a lot. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Good. I like that. Uh, so June offers up Nick and she says she wants explicit promises. And she says, if you bring us Nick, um, then we'll keep Nicole and Canada. Basically, they said we have a deal. I also made note of that is that no one actually said the words. We will keep Nicole and Canada when the hands were shaken. They said we have a deal. We did not determine what the deal was. I feel like we need to say it out loud as we're shaking hands. Same time. I'm super paranoid, though. That'd wow. Be yeah, you are. Yeah. Um. So this part is interesting to me only because of what happens later when the Swiss lady tells him that I don't think you know who Nick, Mr. Blaine is. Mm-hmm. I but, wonder, did they already know at but the point they wanted, that they were talking to? Because they said Nick. They said Mr. Blaine. Uh, in yeah. This so like they clearly knew who she was referring to. But did they already know who he was? That's well, they seem to know. Or did that happen later? I, I couldn't. I don't. I don't. Because I don't. It didn't seem like if Nick goes into his interview later and then they come back out and they say, I don't think you know who Mr. Blaine was. And he's somebody that. Yeah, it seems like has, they just discovered it. Is right? not to be trusted. What did he tell them? It doesn't seem like yeah, a thing you would go in didn't and go, himself. you know what? You shouldn't trust me because here's all the stuff I did. Yeah, unless I that's murdered exactly somebody what really did, important or something like that. Unless that's exactly what he did. Unless he went in there and said, this is the things I had to do to survive in Gilead. This is what I was a part of. Here you go. And maybe he did that. I don't know. 
But yeah. they, it just seems weird for them to go, yeah, sure, we'll take Nick, to later going, you don't know who Nick is. We can't trust Nick. Well, it's like, what? You, you said yeah. you wanted Nick, but now you don't want Nick. This is Nick. I feel like the deal is done. Same yep. Nick. So clearly he went in and said something, or they found out something between then and there that changed their mind about yeah. Mr. Blaine, which I can't call him because then all I'm going to think about is um, Pretty in Pink. And that James Spader's character's name is Blaine because he's the wow. like, snobby rich kid. Okay, did Blaine? not. Blaine? His name is Blaine? Make that yeah, Every time. Okay. Every time. Sure. Every, every single time. Never for me. That's so, how many times. Never. Uh, <laughs> now we get what, what is going to be, I don't know, this is probably the most talked about scene outside of, I would say, the June and Serena showdown at the end. It was so mellow, though. So this is Winslow and Waterford playing billiards, which is also a thing that I don't think is supposed to happen, which is another... Is another really? Yeah, because he's Between not... Between the men? I don't... No. Well, not technically. I think in the... Like, Fred was not even supposed to have books in the house. No, he was allowed to have books. He wasn't supposed to have, like, Scrabble, probably. Mm. But he was allowed to have books. I just feel like billiards is a little, like... It's a little too close to like the gambling line. I don't know. That maybe man. they don't think about. That. I don't know. But also, I do think that like I think they keep all of the bro culture things. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I guess so. I, I think d- they keep billiards. They keep skee ball. Oh man. They keep you know air know. hockey. I would have much rather have them have them playing skee ball. Ping pong. You know how much how funny that would be great. It would have been, wouldn't it? Like if I wish <laughs> be awesome. if, if they would have made his character like a little more kooky, the way he has like hockey. like yeah. carnival games in there <laughs> instead of like billiards, <laughs> playing skee ball and like the one where you spray the water in the clown's mouth to fill up the balloon. Like he just has random carnival <laughs> games. That would be absolutely amazing. That would be great. But no, we don't get that. It's like we a get themed. We get something much more cave. unexpected. I think. <laughs> I think of all the th- if you could have given people a hundred guesses. How as many to- people have we seen on the show? How many characters do we know on the show? More than one of them is gay. I you know I get it. More but than it's one. Just like if you could have like give me ten thousand guesses as to what's about to happen in this really? episode. I just yeah I just didn't really expect it. I don't know why. So they're playing billiards, and essentially what happens here is uh, and everybody who's played pool has kind of run into the situation where like. You're on one side of the table, and somebody's got a shot that they have to take from that side, where you're essentially standing. Right. So you pro- move. You protocol move is that you move, which Fred doesn't do. He's very awkward, but he's an awkward dude. And so, him, right. I, I, my read of that moment was, oh, Fred doesn't get to play with others a lot. He doesn't know what you do. Right. Like he's he's not usually invited to these things. That's probably true. Uh, so Winslow comes around and they're all, Winslow's basically kissing his ass, telling him how great a job he did mm-hmm. with the recordings and Fred's feeling very great, great about himself. Cause that was mission for Fred was to make him feel, feel better. Uh, and so Winslow comes around to take the pool shot, which essentially mm-hmm. puts his ass in right in. I mean, it wasn't that close, but it was, it was close enough that like that Fred had for polite back. pool playing, you move yeah, and Fred you does like when lean, you're not the one taking the shot, Fred does the lean back move like, Whoa, your ass is in my face. And Winslow doesn't even, like, bat an eye. He just keeps going on with life. Uh, and then, I did not think his ass was that in his face. Uh, I, I Fred seemed to think it. I think he was in his glass because there's a pool cue. Like, you don't want to lose your drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So then they come around to the other side, and he makes it a little more obvious. Yes. Uh, we're talking about Fred and basically. A thorough shoulder. Yeah. Uh, not pat, even like pat a. Pat rub. This was, not a, this was not a pat on the back situation. No. This was a, I like your shoulder. Let me show you <laughs> how much I like your shoulder. Let me keep it warm. And Fred like has that look on his face like, oh. Yeah. I feel like Fred really only got it 
probably when somebody comes in, talks to them, and his hand is still there. Right. And Fred's like, oh. Yeah. Like, he doesn't feel the need to move his hand, and it is there on purpose doing what it is doing. Right. It also keeps Fred in his literally in the place he was in. Very much so. It, like, holds him there. Yes, which is going to be very interesting to see where all of that leads, given all the things we know from the interview with him mm-hmm. and uh, just wondering where the how much they're actually going to flip the script on the whole, you know, men dominating another man, putting yeah. him in a similar position to the women in Gilead. It'll be interesting to see how far they decide to take that. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be putting him in a similar situation to a wife or um, a, not a Martha, um, an aunt. Where, like, you have limited power over other individuals. Right. But clearly there are some situations in which you are basically powerless. Correct. And Fred, having in Gilead, Fred's not in many of those situations. No, not in Boston. Because even when he's screwed up, all those guys are still pretty much like, even though they're a little above him, he's still important enough that they can't Mm -hmm. have any leverage. Here, he's Mm -hmm. a little lower on totem pole, regardless of what color the, the tassels are on his shirt. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand what all of those things mean. Um, so the only thing, other thought I had is this: the, there's there's a delicate line here of you know making the if you if we're thinking that there's some homosexuality situation or that mm-hmm. that's what we're going of making that character do something with that power. Right, there's right. A the difference between well, yeah, and there's also standpoint. like you can't really. I, I think it is the power dynamics are not so extreme yet in that two person relationship that you can definitively say whether or not he is making a pass right. at Fred or, you know, making a first step into grooming Fred. Right. But I also mean from a show standpoint of that character, um, the one thing they do have going for them is that they have established previously two to three uh, gay characters that mm-hmm. are on the positive side. So we're not looking at right, like right. a kill your yeah. gays or bury your gay situation. No, that's what they're trying this to do. And everybody the, disagrees. Yes. Right. And so, you know, we've had Emily who yeah. and her wife mm-hmm. uh, who are both very, you know, and the Martha that handled. she had a relationship with. Correct. And mm-hmm. um, Moira, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, the only other man I could think of was, well, there's two. There's the guy who was part of the Canadian government when Fred and oh, Serena yeah. went there yeah, and yeah, talked yeah. about how he used to go to, I yeah, the guy who's like part of used to go like to Boston the, with his the, husband and all the um, time. <laughs> yeah, part of the um, refugee center right mechanism. Yep. No, no, I was talking about when they went there and they were meeting with all the government people and they were supposed to have the big uh, meeting and then they end up making them leave because the letters get there. One of the guys oh, that I is totally forgot. One of the guys that. that's yeah. talking to him when they leave is talking about how I. Or it's actually when they get there, he's talking to Serena and says, "Me and my, I used to love going to Boston all the time. Me and my husband would visit there." I don't think we'd be welcome anymore or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. So there is a, at least a background of positive, yeah. not gay characters doing bizarro Thankfully. things, which is yes. a tropey thing, right? To make, yeah. you know, either bury your gays only gay or character your only gay character is like insane or, you know, it was whatever. So that's kind of the only line I think they have to toe with this is making this character not that. But I think since they've already established like enough most of that, people in Gilead are monsters already. Right. It's just different flavors of monsters. Sure. I agree. So we'll see where that goes. It's a very interesting dynamic that they've thrown into a show with so much other stuff going on. So it's true. Uh, so next is Serena and Mrs. Winslow, who thanks Serena for her book because she was yeah. spending so I much time. I feel like that was work. like very ballsy of her right? to say that and like acknowledge that Serena was 
in a prior life an important figure. Right. Well, and she clearly is like truly authentically like thank you yes. for it because she talks about how they were both corporate lawyers who didn't have yes. time to start a family and blah, blah, blah. And so it was interesting to see yeah, someone. She, I think she says her book saved her yeah, at saved, one point. I was like, wow, that yeah. is quite a thing to say about yeah. this situation. And, th- and this is the point I miss. Definitely miss- saved her. In terms of she wound up in a good spot in Gilead. <laughs> Shit. Absolutely. Um, if judging by, you know, six kids in this giant ass house. Right. The playroom is bigger than like my house now. Uh, and then Fred, this is the part I was speaking of earlier where Fred is just putting on the show with the kids. Um, he's got the line. Is he or is he it, caught up like Serena? I I, I kind of think there's probably a little bit of both. I think there's both. Yeah. He's definitely when I he walks over both. there. He's, and he's with the other dad. He's right. trying to make a good impression. Yeah. Like, see, I can hang. Like, look right. how well I fit in with kids. Right. Like, I would be a great dad. Help me get my baby back. And I feel like everything Fred does has a very thick layer of inauthenticity to it. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think some of that is just because of his innate awkwardness. I, I agree, too. Like, he doesn't fit in anywhere. Like, he is doing the things that you're supposed to do in that situation exactly. because he knows that is what is expected of him, and not because that's what he naturally wants to do. And hopefully someone will like him and make him feel right. okay about life. Yes. Because God feel, only knows what Fred good. Waterford's parents were like. If Serena's mom was that bad, man, <laughs> I shudder to think. So, next scene is uh, the Winslow's Martha comes in until it's June. Someone is here. So, it's nice to see... That the Marthas are still keeping the underground rolling and keeping even in that house, even there. That seemed so risky. I don't know if I was that Martha. Right. I don't know if I would have chanced that. Man, not in that Damn. house. You don't even know what that other handmaid in the room sleeping no. is feeling. Exactly. She can't talk. You have no idea what she thinks. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's low risk because she can't it's say anything. True. She can. <laughs> she could probably. As as well, yeah, that's true. And she can't write. She's not allowed. There you go. There's, it's low risk, high reward, it's I guess. True. <laughs> as sad oh, as so that sounds, sad. right? Uh, and I so this is when she says someone's here outside, and you know June gets all excited because she knows it's Nick, and we all know it's Nick. And in typical June and Nick fashion, they decide, hey, you know, hey, we're out in the open. We must be invisible. Um, nobody can. See nobody us. can see Let's us. Let's make out. Let's go at it. And I was like, for real. And I was yeah. finally glad to see somebody besides me on Facebook be like. Seriously, what is with them yeah. and making out? That house out. has to be surrounded by guards. Has no to. way it is not surrounded by guards. It's that re- guy is clearly important. He's got six kids, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, one of them little kids could have been running around. You don't know. Yeah. It's insane. He's clearly very important to Gilead. Oh, it was just so funny. I was like, oh, God. And it's D.C. I mean, right. There's people on. everywhere. So, um, I keep going through my papers the wrong way. Uh, so, June decides to tell Nick... About the plan that he's involved with that he doesn't know that he's involved with, and says, "Hey, here's the thing you got to do." And Nick says, mm, "No, he declines." Yeah. Uh, and he says, "The Swiss don't care," which was interesting. He I was rather he was rather swift on that reaction. Was yeah. like, "They don't care." And he said, "You get into bed with the government, and it's it's not so easy to get out." Yeah, which, and I think he was referring to his situation. Of all the terrible metaphors you could have thrown out no there, kidding. Uh, really, really, Nick. <laughs> Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like much true. like there was a board for insults that mm-hmm. June and Serena were slinging at each other. I feel like there's a dumb thing Nick says board yeah. that they made. Not like, situationally appropriate. Exactly. What's the worst thing you could say? Oh, I know. For a bunch of women that are kind of getting raped or constantly getting raped, raped all yeah. their, all the, all this time. Let's, let's make a metaphor about getting in bed with somebody. 
what's the matter with this dude for real? It's gonna be so interesting to see like what his real story is because the shit that he does drives me insane because he's so. I didn't catch that metaphor when watching the episode, but you're I, right. It's I just was like, like the worst metaphor. My, my for comment that is here. My comment here is no shit with <laughs> question mark exclamation point. Really, Nick, you don't say. It's hard to get out of bed with him. Uh, so June tells Nick that this is his one chance. She lays it on thick here. And I got to say, this is for all the arguments you can make for him to do this. This was a good one. It's his one chance to be a father to her, your daughter. When are you going to get another chance? And yeah, it really was. It was like, you know, that's the Hail Mary. Like yeah. if you're going to figure out way to close it. That's... And Nick decides, OK, uh, I'm going to be there. Now, me, I thought Nick wasn't even going to show up. I thought that's how we were going to roll with this. Like, Nick's going to bounce out and say, I'm going to my train with I my dudes. I was wondering how, when she was negotiating, mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, how is she going to get in touch with him? <laughs> like, she's kind of, it's not like she can just pick up the phone. He solved that for you. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. He mysteriously there. showed up, which I think is still a thing that we got to know why. Like, yeah. Which is still a very integral part well, of Well, I mean, if he is an I still... I, I guess, you know, then he just like has all of the info and can randomly show up whenever he pleases. I, but it does seem to happen at particularly opportune moments for making out in wide open I, spaces. That's why I think like, we don't have enough information. Because uh, on here I put zero per chance, zero percent chance Nick is showing up. Zero. But he did show up. But apparently yeah. whatever the hell he said did not go well. Uh, because they come out and the one Swiss lady will actually talk to June, who is again moving rather freely for a handmaid. Um and she tells her essentially, like, we're going to recommend that negotiations keep going. Uh, you don't know who Mr. Blaine was, clearly. And uh, June is like, oh, shit. Uh, because he is one, quote, not to be trusted is what they said. And again, I want to know what the difference between Mr. Blaine yesterday was right. and Mr. Blaine today. I don't understand because they knew who he was and now they, they know something different. And I don't know if it's because of something he said or some intelligence that they got in between there. I was like, ah, not you guy. But clearly, A, he doesn't trust the Swiss to begin with because he already said the Swiss don't care. Uh, which, you know, depending on your view of neutrality, could could, yeah. could be true. Um, and they don't trust him. So I just don't get it. I don't know what happened there. And so June is like rather like at this point, you can see that June is like ha- figuring out that she's got like nothing like yeah. her total plan of, you know, recruiting. Serena, that, was it. that was her big card that, to play. And, you know, I'm going to get Nick and this is going to go well. And she thought Commander Lawrence is like not no, a, not, not readable enough. Mm-mm. You cannot take for granted that he is going to do what you think he's going to do. No. No, I think, you know, I think he's kind of very in a similar way, kind of like Nick, only more eccentric and has more power. Like he very much plays it close to the best. You don't know what he's thinking. There's some similarities there, which is interesting. But yeah, so Serena comes in and June (laughs) finally asks, what did Nick do before all of this? Yeah. Before he became a driver. Like Serena, I was also just so surprised that this conversation never happened between the two of them. Are you really, though? No, yeah, I am. I don't know. Come on, June. I yeah, maybe she just didn't care. She was just happy to be getting know. some and having yeah. a happy moment in Gilead. But like, they had plenty of time to talk back in the day. Like you would think. It seems. I don't know. So it's, it just seems very unlikely that this literally never came up. Yes, but alas, it did not. Uh, Because Serena says the following. He served Gilead. He was a soldier in the crusade. 
and we wouldn't be here without him, which was a very strong statement. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. W- wouldn't be Especially here without Especially coming him. from Serena, not, yeah. you know, another man trying to, like, burnish exactly. his reputation. Yeah. I've That indicated to me he did something that was really important yes. or, you know, led a covert mission that, you know, gathered intelligence that turned the tide. I don't, I don't know. No. Yeah. Uh, and she says, all this time you spent together and he never mentioned anything. Yeah. And I was like, man, Serena's an asshole. Yeah. Um, maybe that, maybe not, he was there like Hercules Mulligan. Like he was just oh, like right. in there sewing some pants. <laughs> uh, and, you know. It could be. A total mole. I mm, mean. Maybe that's why he knows that the Swiss don't care. Yeah. I don't that's, know. That's true. There's that's so much true. that we don't know. Maybe he was in negotiation meetings before, you know. Mm. There's a lot that Nick knows that we don't know. Yeah. We don't know a lot. Um, Before, I would have said he doesn't know a lot. I don't know. He knows something clearly. Uh, next scene is a very brief scene uh, of Nick on a train. Getting Co- some respect. Commanding Whoa. dudes, as I say. Commanding things. He's commander, so he's commanding things. Now, for those of you at home who have uh, seen the movie Snowpiercer, has anyone seen the movie Snowpiercer? First I of have all, not seen that If movie. you have not seen the movie Snowpiercer, it is on Netflix. It is free because Netflix made it, um, and it's on Netflix. Uh, it's amazing. I've, I've heard that, yeah. It's uh, Captain America, Chris Evans, and it's very dystopian. Like They're all on a train because the world is in an ice age, and all the train is divided into classes like the people. So the poor people are in the back of the thing, and Chris Evans decides that's not how we're going to do it anymore. But... That is what this train reminded me of. It reminded me of Snowpiercer train. It's on, was it, was on the it that close quarters on yeah, the Snowpiercer totally. train. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. Oh seriously, if you have not seen this movie, it is a fantastic watch for people wow. that like a dystopian like action movie. And like Ed Harris is in it. It's got great people. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. Um, oh. She's in every movie that is kind of scary that takes place and in an icy cold place. She is. Super weird. Of all, you know, she does lots of super weird things anyway, but she's super weird in this one. Um, and I can't think of who the person is that is in this, but you wouldn't. I'm going to blow it here, but I, there's a great scene because they get to the part of the train where the kids go to school in the train. Okay. Because they all live there. They can't leave the train because it's an ice age, right? Mobile. Right. Well, they can't leave, period. Like they have to live there. So the train has to constantly keep going. And so, oh, it's not taking them to a destination. No, 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 no. The train just runs because like outside is like an ice age. You can't like go outside or you die. Okay. And so Weird. there's this whole mythology about the man who built the train that has saved all the people of the planet, or at least who's on the train. Right. right. The all hundred or so exactly. people that fit on a train. And so they, the kids and this woman, the actress, I cannot remember her name. They sing this song about the guy who about the train, and it's like—is it like singing about God? It's amazing. Yes, and she's like on piano, and she like is getting the kids what? to sing, and it's like the song is like, "What happens if you go outside? We all freeze and die." And they sing exactly like that. I oh, swear wow. to God, it is outstanding. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Huh? It's amazing. Anyway, that's what Nick's train looked like. Uh, Snowpiercer, Netflix. Go see it. So, next scene. Lydia and June prepping for the next recording. Um, June has to wear the mouth covering and it says, well, we don't find that out until she's sitting there and June's a little upset because of the Nick thing that went down. Lydia comes in there and Lydia, yeah. And she's like, Hey, we got to do this. And then they have like this moment, which is interesting, right? Because Lydia vacillates right from, you know, Lady yeah. who's beaten the hell out of Janine to serious menopausal mood swings, having the PTSD cry in the chair. 
And so she has this nice, genuine, well-acted, amazing moment by the two of them um, where June is like, do you want us to be silenced? And Lydia says no. And she gets all, you know, kind of tears yeah, up. She's misty. And she just gives that little spiel that Sarah said, you know, earlier. I was like, if I can, you know, I always think if I can help one person, you know, and then she says, I think about you, which is interesting. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah. I was like, are you sure you don't mean Janine? Right, exactly. Like, your beloved. Yes. <laughs> I yes. was just very surprised by that because I, it seems that Juna has been such a pain in her ass. Exactly. And, um, and that is seemingly how she has characterized it at times in the past. Yeah, exactly. Like at the end of the last scene where they do the first recording and June has no idea what the hell is going on. And she says, don't be clever. You know, don't be stupid yeah. or something like that. Um, so June, June was also surprised. Because that was the impression I got by her reaction when she says that. Yeah. I think of you. June is like, really, lady? You think of me? <laughs> right. That's what you're getting from the the, the emotion, that I, the thoughts that I'm supposed yeah, to get right from. right here in front of you. This, me. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how, that's not what I got from our interactions throughout our time in Gilead yeah. here. Um, so they cry. It did seem a very uh, teacher in crisis kind of thing to say. It did. It did. Which, leads, you know, like I said, I've heard we're getting the Lydia backstory She's episode. Gotta be a it's gotta be soon. Um, she said she's a teacher, so if she's not, that you know, That's somebody true. had to yeah, tell Yeah, I Anne, forgot she said that in the one interview. tell Ann Dowden, no, which I wouldn't want to do. I did read an interview. Somebody was talking about her and that she shifted in the interview into Lydia voice to do something that was about Lydia and oh, like creepy. to act like her. And the interviewer was like, it was really unnerving. I bet. Because <laughs> so, she's such a sweet human. Oh, she's totally amazing. Oh, um, sad I missed that interview. The show makes me so mad, says Justin's comments. Because uh, they cry together. And I'm just tired of all the people that have put this whole society together being upset, but still being part of it. And it makes me insane. Yeah. It just makes me. Well, what do you think? What do you think Lydia could do <sighs> if she made the decision to try to act and help? I honestly don't know. Because, again, I don't know that we know the hierarchy and what yeah. power they have. Yeah. And how much does she really know? Right. I feel like we learned this episode that she doesn't know a lot, a lot of uh, things. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know, because I don't know the scope of what they do there, aside from shuffle the handmaids around and train them and, you know, yeah. beat their feet. I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I did say that uh, at the end of this, she puts the cowl on and it snaps with the class. Oh, so, man, like, it was such an ominous woo, sound. Right. And it was clearly so tight. Yes. It was very constraining. And my last comment was somewhere Mike Pence has to change his underwear. So the next scene Aww. is June at the Lincoln Monument. don't ever Monument. put that in my head You're, again. I'm sorry. Um, and just for the record, is it Lincoln Monument or Memorial? It's Lincoln Monument? It's the Lincoln Memorial, I think, and the Washington Monument. There we go. All right. That was so sad. That oh, was. Man, I almost cried the like whole... when that was visual was just sinking in. I didn't I would not I would would not have expected to be so yeah. sadly moved by that. But wow, that was really impactful. Well, because like, you know, maybe and... it's less Im it, I don't know, is it less impactful if you're not minority? No, I because I think for the even just if you think cinematically in TV shows and movies, the way that the yeah. link that is always portrayed as like this place of hope and strength, and you know, unless you're talking about planets of the planet of the apes, uh, I wasn't even going to bring it up because I, that was immediately when I knew that there was a scene in the Lincoln Memorial. I was like, oh, please don't planet of the apes us. Um, right, like what if it was like now a commander? Right. Yeah, that yeah, would have been that's, awful. That was awful. For all the people wondering, there was there's a lot of bad options. Yeah, for look it up if you if you have not watched Planet of the Apes and you don't know what okay, scene now, we're talking about. Now, just to be look clear, it up we are talking so about the Tim Burton directed Marky Mark vehicle, yes. not the later on the second James generation. 
Yeah, the not, third one, not the third, third generation, generation are fantastic. All those movies are great. If you're looking for the I've good planet, the third generation. Oh man, with James Franco. Yeah. No. Oh, those three are really good. I have really mixed feelings about him. It makes it hard to watch. A movie. I agree. I agree. But this, when I saw this, it was all before that, and he's not really okay. in the last two for okay. the most part. So, but those are really good if you're looking. Andy Serkis is plays Caesar. He's the one that did Gollum in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. He does all I the, remember reading about capture. that. Andy Serkis yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, he is amazing. In the and has the best name ever. So this is where we finally get uh, our June and Serena showdown. I can't call it a bro down. I really want to um, for South Park reference. But <clears throat> they're not bros, so they can't bro down. And there's no equivalent that rhymes, so it's not any good. So they have their little showdown. Um, June, I, I like that Serena just shows up and says, that's nice, the silence, and Jude just right out the gate. You could return the favor. And I was yeah. like, whoa. All right. Guess we're uh, lighting Off this candle. Off and uh, And so Serena makes the, the announcement that it won't matter for a while because they're staying in Washington, which we didn't know. And uh, June is going to go back to Gilead. And so they will, they will finally, quote, be free of each other. At which time June puts on super crazy face and starts yeah, circling her. Joker. Yeah. It was, it was intense. It was. It was awesome. But great. Yeah. And she says, you will never be free of me until my children are safe. Until both my children mm-hmm. are safe. She says. And I was like, whoa. She just like went next level crazy. Yeah. On her. It was awesome. I, I guess she just reached that point this episode where like, she was like, I'm going to do everything no matter what like i'm gonna die trying or i'm gonna free my children and she you know she tried desperately to get serena back or at least you know to see where she was and serena made it pretty clear a lost cause at this point so now we have uh the you're just trading insults for the rest of this entire uh, scene here so ones though it's pretty great uh so june says you never be free of me until my both of my children are safe she says, you're small, you're cruel, and you're empty. You always will be, and you'll, uh, you will always be empty, and oh, that she man. can't love. The empty reference was... Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Super tough when you're talking to somebody who can't have children. Ew, that's, that's true. Wow. I did not even that think about that. That was extra cold. That's true. Uh, so then we get that great face-off shot where they turn it to the front of the memorial, where they're walking mm-hmm. towards each other, like some kind of Old West showdown. Mm-hmm. It's like they're like, having a duel. Oh, I was so good. I loved, I loved it. that shot. That was my favorite, one of my favorite shots. And the, the colors were so vivid. Yep. It was really yep. beautifully shot. And so Serena, Serena starts things off with, I should have put a ring in your mouth the day I met you, the day that we met. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. Here we go. I feel like this is one of those where, like, if it was let par- it all out. If it was a parody movie, they'd have like ring announcers, like yeah, play they would by play. Ding, oh, ding, Serena ding. comes out swinging. Yes. Um, and June retorts with, "I should have let you burn when I had the chance." And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, you should have." Now I thought she. No, at the time she seemed like an ally I we know. needed. I know. She really seemed worth saving. That's so true. At the time, we thought she was on our side. I think she really was. And I mean, really, like, even if she's not, even if she wasn't on our side at that point, she was still deserving of, possibly deserving of being saved. Right. Um, I get that that is like an, an arguable right. point. Yes. Like, she's done terrible At that shit. point where her terrible, character was. Terrible things. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, when when practically the end of the world is upon you. You do have I, – I feel like you would be more judicious in who you just completely write off and leave to die. I agree. 
I agree. You're in that situation where she has no power and she's trying to, you know, latch on to anyone that she thinks she can sway to her side. So at the time, it seemed like a good idea. Yes. <laughs> As do many things that June does. But, you know, this one, not so much her fault, I don't think. Uh, so then Serena takes off and we get all these like they do these really cool shots of her like walking off into the background and kind of mm-hmm. going out of focus. And we mm-hmm. lose sight of her. Basically, really, the point being is that we can't see what else we're it's not seeing, there. which yeah. is thousands You're so hyper focused on the person in the exactly. foreground. Uh, so June has a little moment with Abe. Gives a little hand touch. Looks at the Abe's fist on the uh, on the thing, which I guess is like her, you know. Supposed to be like very uh, resistance symbolic. I was thinking that's what I got from it. Um, and then she walks out onto down the steps where there's immediately got to be a thousand yeah, handmaids, hundred, hundreds at, at immediately close. Yes. Plus eyes, yes. plus Fred, plus cameras. Yes. Who surely all heard that very loud shouting <laughs> match they were just having in the very echoey. <laughs> Area Watch. surrounded by limestone. Yes. I mean, really, like everybody heard that. Yes, that's the equivalent of you know, party foul, where you're like fighting with your your partner. You think in the other room right. while you're having a party, and like you one of you turns everyone. around and you realize like the whole party has stopped and is silently watching you. <laughs> that is basically the situation they had there, but they didn't acknowledge it, which seems so weird. Yep, it did, and it was weird, but. We got a great scene out of it where it's a terrible thing. True. Attention. True story. Um, still not quite on par with Serena and Fred going at it in the, the house when they were trying to find June last season. Yeah. Those are some... That was... Some, I don't know. I think I prefer this scene. Uh, I mean, either way. I just enjoy watching them fight. I don't know why. These are more interesting characters. It's true. Very true. Uh, so then June kneels after a big delay. So her deal here is that she's supposed to be the cue for the rest of the handmaids in this whole production. Like Fred says whatever he says, prayer, prayer thing. And then at that point he pauses, at which time June is supposed to kneel down, at which time the rest of the thousands or hundreds of handmaids will also kneel down and make it look pretty for Fred's recording. Uh, June does not play ball right away. And so we're not exactly mm-hmm. sure what that means. Like if she's going to do something or, you know, make some grand gesture. Which, yeah, or just not kneel. Like yeah. just continue to not kneel would have been As I was thinking something. about it, I just don't know that they're, A, they're recording it. It's not, I didn't get the impression that it was live. I, I didn't either. I was thinking about that throughout this episode. Like are any of these things live and would it be worth risking anything to, to try to get a message out? Right, and I think that we, uh, the audience, are supposed to kind of realize that at the same time that she's yeah. realizing, I have no position of power here. I have no yeah. one on my side. I have no options, literally, right. at this moment. All or, of the women looking at me who would be on my side have had their mouths permanently closed. Yes, literally silenced. Yeah, and living a much more terrible life than she likely is. And anything she does, this might be the one time that she, if she had a thought in her head to do something, that she looked out at all these people who already have it worse than her and thought, I could make it worse, worse for them, which I don't even know what that would be. And so she, if she did have that inclination. I mean, they still had all their limbs for the most part. So True. Um, So she did, if she did have a thought in her head to do something, she decided not to do it. Yeah. And we do get the pretty shot of the cross or Washington, whatever monument they want to call it now. Um, Yeah, I wonder what they call it. I guess it's Jesus's monument now. God's monument. They don't don't ever say Jesus in the show. They don't. That's true. Um, They say the Lord. We get it in, we get, we'd see it in like reflecting in her eye. And then... This show, which it hasn't done very often, just ends. Yeah, it ends with the sound of yeah, the wind. Exactly. Like there's a flag flapping yeah. somewhere. 
no song, no badass line. That used to happen more often in previous seasons, I think. This was some bleak shit. Yeah, it was. It felt pretty hopeless at the end there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they were trying to get across to you. Yeah. yeah, it was. I think it just felt especially depressing after the relatively positive episodes we've had thus far, where, yep. you know, minor for Gilead, bad things happened. But very, you know, it was a very low body count. We get we get to see people surviving in Canada, right? Making their way through their shit. We get, you know, we, they made us feel good. They, they and lo- so after that, like this feels kind of like a cold bu- a cold bucket of water just got dumped on us. Oh, for bit, sure, you know, for sure. But still, by Gilead standards, did, I don't think anybody died this episode. Nope. Nobody was maimed. No, they were already maimed when we got there. They they were confined. Bodily, but not maimed. Okay, well, do you, um, the rings and the mouse, I would say that's maiming someone. You're not losing a limb. It's not maiming. Okay. Is that the, is that the technical? Like, I think. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. know. I thought that's what I thought that was like the differentiating factor for maiming. If you're out there like you lose a body part. And you know the uh, definition of maiming because we don't want to look it up right now. Please feel free yeah, to no. tell us. They always tell us. I know. The things they want us to know. I know. I like it when they give us the answers to things that we wonder aloud about. There you go. Um, yeah. So... Still, by previous previous seasons standards, just hyper depressing. Not like Terrifying. bad news bears for every character involved. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was a good episode. Um, I kind of not not that it was predictable. There were certain predictable elements just from the fact that you just know just how the show is. Every that, time Nick is in there that much, it's. That, Somewhat predictable. Yeah, that the Nick thing was not going to work out the way that you wanted it to work. And that they were going to make out somewhere in public. <laughs> Things that we know. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought overall it was a well-placed episode of, okay, we gave you a little hope. We mm-hmm. let you feel a little okay. P.S. you're still here in Gilead. I guess it can be worse. Let's go to D.C. and learn how. Yeah. And I feel like this episode combined with the episode preceding it have done a really good job of in a relatively – not to – call out by name other certain shows with very important female protagonists that did not get this treatment. They did a really good job of showing Serena's slide from being an ally for the resistance, basically to totally succumbing to her personal fears and wants and, and just giving it all up for the hope of seeing her fake daughter again. And I think that's really important that they did that so well. It was very in keeping with the characters' motivations and past experiences, and it made sense even though it was sad to watch. Right. And I, I really appreciate that this show did that and gave this character such good treatment. Yeah. I agree. I think they've done a really good job this year with the way they have written the characters mm-hmm. and dialing back the darkness just a little bit to kind of let these characters breathe in the world that they've created yeah. and kind of exist, which we, you know, they did a little bit, but I think we're finally yeah. getting to the point where they're able to kind of see, oh, here's what's going on everywhere and this is what you're doing and here's what you're doing. And yeah, to have a good understanding of where we're at presently exactly. in Gilead. Exactly. I'm really interested to see next episode, I hope, um, what is the impact of all of this in Canada? That will be interesting. Like, if I'm Luke and I have that child, I'm, like, figuring out where the hell I can stash Right, where it. can I hide? 
Yeah. yeah. Where, where can we go? But is you, there some like Canadian countryside well, where we can go hide out on a farm or something? And, but you know, to that end though, they know about the tape that June made because they do mention that about because June tells them that you know Fred's not the father and Serena. Well, is yeah, not the, the negotiators know, which means that Luke somehow got them the right. tape, which means right. that they are probably already have eyes on Luke. So. Like I said, if it was me, I'd be like trying to figure out where I could stash that kid somewhere. Well, I mean, the, the negotiators knew that, not necessarily. But they're negotiating on behalf of Canada. Yeah. And so Canada knows about it, which means yeah. Luke gave it to them. I'm just saying there's no way that Luke can like go hide with the baby somewhere and go like, you know, lay low. Oh, for a yeah. Few like they do know Luke has a baby. Yeah, right. that's true. So there's no way to like say, hey, let's get this kid out of here wherever else you would take I it. I mean, unless there are other people in the Canadian government that also want to keep the baby right. safe. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of it's one of those. This is one of those episodes where they like got to put a period on it. And this is like your halfway point and you have no idea what the hell. Is yeah, it did kind of feel like a midseason finale almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They set it. They set all of it up and kind of right now, you know, where everyone stands. You just don't know where the cards are going to fall. Yeah. I see everybody except for Lydia. I think, you know, where they stand. And then you, know, you still don't really know about Nick. So Nick and Lydia, are your wild cards. But yeah. Fred's putting on the Fred show to get Fred whatever Fred wants. And then Serena's back on the I Need My Baby train. And June is pretty much on her own. Not knowing whether Lydia is truly on her side about anything. Because I think that just shocked her to begin with. And then, then you know, just learning this mm-hmm. stuff about Nick doesn't, you know, give her any good feelings about him. So we're back at square one. June by herself. So we'll see. It'll be a very interesting episode going forward. So I don't know. I don't know what we get next. I don't know where it goes. I have not been watching ahead. Me so. either. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, I lose track of stuff I too do. easy to do that. <laughs> we'll end up saying something stupid about three episodes ahead and be like, oh, sorry about that. So, uh, yeah, that was a good show. It was a good episode. Um, let's talk about last week and uh, people's fantastic uh, song choices. Before I do that, I do want to say thank you to Brandy Muff, Muth. Muth, M-U-T-H. She was our contest winner from last week. Uh, she won our fantastic prize pack, courtesy of the Beehive in Atlanta, and a set of pencils from the Feminist Pencil Project. So if you haven't checked all that out, go to our Facebook page. You can see all the cool stuff that she won. Um, so I threw out there that uh, I wanted some mixtape entries, and I wanted people to let me know what their angry songs and their love songs are for their mixtapes. And like I said, we got an absolutely insane reaction. Heads up, I have to go soon. Okay. Um, And so I wanted to throw out a few of these at you just to give you an idea of (laughs) the scope of things that we're talking about. So let me pull this up. Um, I was really blown away by the sheer, like, quantity that we got. People were really into it. We had one woman write in and gave us like five Bikini Kill songs. Oh, I love this woman. I don't know who you are, but I love you already. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, there was just this, like, aside from, like, new country, I think we essentially had every genre covered. There was no new country? No new country. Really? No. New country um, is making, like, in waves in other genres. I'm I, kind of surprised at I this. Know. The closest we got to new country was there were two Dixie Chick songs. Actually, three. Yeah, I guess you just can't call that new anymore. No. Once upon a time, that was new country. That yeah, was, yeah. Uh, but we had everything from, like, um, Alanis Morissette, a song that I don't know by Alanis Morissette called Everything. Uh, the one lady put five Bikini Kill songs. There nice. was Destiny's Child Survivor, which, oh, you know, nice. you got everything from like stuff like that to like 
Uh, Jeff Buckley, lover, you should have come over, which automatically wins the hearts and minds of Justin's everywhere. <laughs> um, we had several votes for Joan Jet Bad Reputation. Nice. Um, several for Kesha Woman, which is not a song that I've, I may have heard that song. I, I feel know. like I've heard it, but I'm not familiar enough to recall it. Uh, Lily Allen's Fuck You got a couple. Yeah, that's a good song too. <laughs> People yeah. like that. Uh, we did have two Nina Simone separate, two different Nina Simone songs, which is always great. And which I always, ones? Uh, one, which was I one I thought of for my anger song, which is Mississippi Goddamn, which is an amazing song. song and very yeah, appropriate for good song. pretty much every step of the United States. Uh, but yeah, then like Pink Floyd, three Pink Floyd songs came out of really? nowhere. really surprised me. But I mean, far and away, the top vote getter was Killing the Name of by Rage Against the Machine, huh. which by my count got one, two, three, four, like seven votes out of wow. the 125 wow. that we got. Um, but Great yeah, like be proud. the Scissor Sisters somebody put on here for their love song. I can't decide. I don't even know that song, but I know those Scissor Sisters. I know sisters the Scissor now. Sisters, yeah. We had, we had somebody put a T-Rex song on here, Children of the Revolution. The fact that anybody even put a T-Rex song on here was just like huh. blowing my mind. Huh. The Doors, The Darkness, The Violent Femmes, oh, Kiss Off, yeah. which is a great fuck you song. Yeah. But yeah, so I was very impressed by the people. That was good. Good breadth of submissions. Yeah, it was you all over You guys are awesome. Place. Yeah. I mean, we had somebody make a Stiff Little Fingers song huh. on this list, which you could have given me 100 guesses as to bands and Stiff Little Fingers. Really? Never been. Not like no. no. Pokey Little Puppy or something like that? <laughs> no. So hold on to my call. All right. So kudos to everyone. Um, I am going to make this a playlist on our Spotify account. Nice. And I'm going to share it with everybody. Um, it's going to take me a little while. Obviously, there are 120 something songs on here. So I'm going to do my best. And then we're going to randomly choose. I told people, you know, you get one entry per song. So if you entered one angry song and one sad song or one sad song, one love song, then you get one entry per song. It doesn't matter if you send me five bikini kill songs. That's still only one entry for your angry song. Okay. One entry per send, not per yes, song, correct. per submission. Right. Of the so your one your resistance song and your love songs are two separate ones. So you get two for those. Mm-hmm. But if, if you, you sent one of each five one. love songs, correct. You still, only, just, still one. just one. Okay. Yes. Got so it. So we'll have that. We'll post that on the social medias. Um, but yeah, just totally blown away by like you said the breadth of artists and genres and everything. Nice. Like I said, everything from Bette Midler to Celine Dion to Talking Heads and the and it's just everything. It's all over the place, which I love, which is a beautiful thing. It says That's a lot great. about I'm our so audience. I'm so excited somebody included it, Bette Midler. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Somebody put Wind Beneath My Wings, which is just like, of course. Uh, so yeah, kudos to everyone out there. Um, yeah, anything else? Have you been watching or reading or doing any things that besides, you know, running through airports and not getting to where you need to go? <laughs> I did spend an inordinate amount of time running through airports in the last few days. Um... No, I don't think I've been consuming any new media lately. I've been like working on a couple classes I'm enrolled in and, mm. and working for, you know, money. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think I've started anything new. I am finally reading um, The Immortalist, which people oh, have been telling me yeah. to read for a while I've now. Heard that's good. Um, I'm only a little bit into it, but it is really good so far. Right. But it's a I have it I have it in an actual like physical hardcover book, Ooh. which is kind of hindering my my reading because like I'm not willing to schlep that all around with right. me. So like I don't get I don't read it at lunchtime at work or something like that. Like yeah. I normally would read because I have book. seen it at a bookstore. It's lengthy. It's you know it's it's normal novel size. It's not super long. 
but it's a hardcover book, and I, I have my Kindle has made me lazy. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can carry so thousands of books in the Kindle. Um, Nikki and I went and saw the movie Late Night over the weekend. Are you familiar with this? No. Um, I feel like it, it is Mindy be. Kaling and. Um, oh yes, Emma I actually Thompson. just heard uh, right. Pop Culture Happy Hour yeah. episode on this. Movie. It was really great. Yeah, you loved it. it. Really there were some it. really mixed reviews. Yeah, I I myself enjoyed. I it. love both of them um, though. They were both Thompson really good. Kaling. Yeah, um, it does a lot of good things. I think it was it, it totally if, for if nothing else, it totally nails like what a group of dudes that work only in a room full of dudes and that dynamic yeah. and the, even the different personality type, what that ends up like. Yeah. Like who's more dominant in those it situations. It totally and nails and that who, part like, of goes it. Along. Yeah. It totally yeah. nails the various personalities yeah, that you I've find. I've been very curious kind of about that. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's something that even if you haven't actually experienced being the first woman or person of color in one of those work environments, mm -hmm. you can kind of imagine what it's like. And it's all of the things you're imagining. It yeah. sucks. <laughs> So bad. Yeah, I could I could see that, and you know, it's very entertaining. It's not the heaviest movie. I mean, it deals with some sure woman feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's not her writing style. So it is very light and you know, entertaining in a rom com, but not a rom com kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know, just a light comedy that mm -hmm. deals with some heavier topics mm -hmm. in a entertaining way that isn't like yeah. smashing you so over the head, centering around female led relationships exactly. in a kind of light way. Yeah. So it was really well done. I definitely recommend it, like, seeing it at the theater if you're out and about. Cool. Um, the other thing I watched that I had put off watching, and I'm kind of shocked at myself, and I feel bad because I have a slight hipster aversion to movies or anything that gets, like, super overhyped. Like, I just, it makes me... Slight? Okay. You have a strong aversion to things that are getting pretty hyped. Even if you haven't, like, actually seen most of the hype or heard most of it, if you are aware that there's a lot of hype out there... You are naturally averse to participating in said hyped thing. I'm done. Guilty. Um, so I like sci-fi horror movies a lot, but I tend to gravitate towards like ones that are like a little more indie, a little more that I don't feel like I already know what's going to happen. For me, it's not necessarily that a movie is popular because I'm like super pumped about the Godzilla movie that I still haven't seen yet. But okay. like that's my jam, right? Uh, that's great. Give me two big monsters fighting. Fantastic. Okay. Love it. But I tend to gravitate towards things where like I see the trailer. I'm like, oh, okay. I know what happens in this movie. So I'm not real jazzed about it. Um, but I saw A Quiet Place with John Krasinski. I really want to see A Emily Quiet Blunt. Place. Is it streaming somewhere that I can see it? Uh, it's actually free on Amazon Prime if you're an Sweet. Amazon Prime person. Um, I really want to see that. It is fucking fantastic. Really? It is so good. So so good. Um, they're I think both great actors. Yeah, and they're uh, they're married John in real life. Is super underrated. He's yeah. a great actor. Yeah, he's really like if you would. It's it's kind of like Chris Emily Pratt. Emily Blunt. Everybody knows is amazing. He's kind of like he was like the Chris Pratt before Chris Pratt, right? Because Chris Pratt came out of the office where he was like the schlubby guy, or came out of uh, Community. I think he was in no Parks he, and Rec. Parks and Rec, which is yeah. a, like a practically right. a spinoff of the. And he office. was like the schlubby guy that yeah. nobody would have thought would be in Guardians yeah, of the he, Galaxy. He was like, like more intentionally schlubby, like, right? You know. But yeah, Krasinski kind of comes out of this office role where he's kind of goofy. You know, well, he's also dude. playing Jack Ryan right now. Yes, and he buffs up because he buffed yeah. up. I think the first thing he was in where he was all buffed up was the uh, they did the Benghazi movie, which is a Michael Bay explosions movie. 
Um, so he buffed up for that. And then he's directed a few things, and he directs this. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So he's directing him and Emily Blunt, who are married in real life. Yeah, I, I remember reading about that and thinking, ooh, I wonder how that went. It's outstanding. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. great. It's one of those, like, I heard all the hype around it, and I had seen people that had seen it. And so, like, the basic premise, no spoiler here at all, is that uh, there's a very post-apocalyptic event, and uh, essentially these things are out there in the world that can only come after you if they hear you. And so they obviously don't figure that out for a long time. So there's not very many people around at this point in time. Yeah. And also, so humans are really loud. Correct. <laughs> Super and so loud. they are basically trying to traverse this world and survive by basically being as silent as possible. Like they learn sign language. Mm-hmm. They like they put sand, which I didn't even think. Isn't about one this. of the child actors deaf? Yes. The, yeah. His daughter, the middle child. I guess she's the oldest child. Um, Is the character also deaf? Yes, she's okay. deaf in real life. And in, well, I, and I knew in, the actress yes, was. Yeah. Actresses and the, the the that plays kind of a prominent role in what happens in the mm-hmm. movie. But even like stuff I didn't think about, which is like everywhere they walk, they have these paths to like these stores. They go into town and try and find, you know, whatever's mm-hmm. left that they can get for food or whatever. But they put sand down, even like uh, on the dirt yeah. road so that they don't, you know, make any noise when they're walking. And so I would all I heard about it all because they would talk about in the theater, people would like get either like mean mugged from people that were like eating popcorn even because it's so quiet wow. because they like totally immerse you in the fact that you like this world, you wow. have to be like dead silent. And they do such a great job of presenting that, that they said people in the movie theater. And that's not something you hear in movies. No, they hardly, hardly ever do you go to a movie and there's genuine silence. Yeah. And so I was reading up on it afterwards cause I'm a super nerd and I do that about every yeah, movie. You are. Right. And so there was a thing that said the theaters actually were not all that happy with the performance of the movie because people wouldn't get as many concessions and eat during the movie because people uh, didn't want to make noise. And that's how they make their money. Exactly. And that's how I'm uh, so glad I didn't see it at the theater now yeah. because one thing that drives me nuts in regular volume movies is that I hear all of the neighboring movies playing mm. oh. in the background. It drives me bonkers. I would not have been able to handle it in a very quiet movie. Yeah, there is a movie theater. I would have been what? out there like 30 minutes in demanding, demanding my money back. This movie theater is legit four minutes from my house that I don't go to because yeah. the main I giant like that theater a lot. The main giant theater, you can literally, and this is not just a Justin being crazy criticism. I mean, it's, it's a little bit you. for real, hear the other movies in the other theaters that are behind the main big yeah. theater. And this theater is awesome because it is a huge main theater, but you can hear, they remodeled it and made it super awesome. But we go there and watching the first movie, yeah. and I could like they got a lot of square footage out of this remodel. Yes, which was kind of amazing. Yes. But yeah, you're right. They, There's not they enough definitely insulation skimped between on the theaters. soundproofing because you could like legit hear the line. The front lobby the, is surprisingly quiet. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like okay, yeah. I can't ever go there again. You, you, you can know, really, I, you I can. I can't do it. There are worse things in life. Oh, though for sure. No, don't get me wrong. This is not a like true problem on the planet. Oh yeah, it's this just, is a first world problem. <laughs> If even even for first world problems, this is a pretty cushy one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first of the first. This is like in the top five. The The movie theater is not quiet enough for Justin. Yeah, yeah I get it. No, it's true. Uh, but that's fantastic. Um, uh, book wise, I've been listening to books again. So that's good. Um, With your newfound time now that you're not insane. Yes. Now that I'm not a crazy person. Yes. So uh, nothing. I, I mean, right now I'm listening to book about uh the indie punk underground from 81 to 91. Nice. Which I would recommend. It's called Our Band Could Be Your it Life. Sounds exactly like a book that you would listen it is, to it, or it, read. It's, yes. It's really fantastic. Um, so, yeah. 
that's a quiet place and late night, two things that I've seen recently that I would highly recommend for this audience to see. Cool. So if you've got anything that you're watching, reading, seeing, yeah. let us know. I, I have We're not, always up I have for not recommendations. I've been reading or watching a lot of new things lately. I would really love some recommendations. There you go. Um, if you want to at tag me, Tiana, in that, I would love to hear what you guys have to say because clearly, based on your song choices, you guys have great taste. Exactly. And I need some books and some movies. Maybe a show. Yeah, we'll take it all. So, uh, we'll come up with a contest. I don't know what our contest is going to be this week. I still haven't figured out how we're going to give away our really cool prize yet, but I figure we're at the halfway point. i got to figure out before next episode how we're going to give away the giant poster signed by almost everybody in the entire Handmaid's Tale cast. Yeah. It's really the first time I've said it out loud, so hopefully everybody caught it. Yep. Uh, so we'll figure it's that out. Cool. And uh, figure out how to get that to you and what you're going to have to do. But uh, until next time, for Tiana, and, uh, yep. have a great week. And we'll see you next week. Hopefully, one of these Wednesdays, it's not going to be like everyone's hair on fire to get here and record this podcast. It's re- it really wasn't everybody today. It was just you. Just me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks yep. for joining us. Later. Bye.